Hey guys, uh, Tricky here. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up. We had some audio issues with this in which uh, our guest, uh, his audio track did not pick up most of his audio. So we had to go use our backup, which includes audio from everybody together. With that happening, I wasn't able to edit out a lot of the background noise. So there is going to be some random sounds you could hear. But overall, I think the show came out good. The audio was still good. You could still hear everybody. But unfortunately, I was not able to edit out the background noise. Anyway, enjoy this nice three-hour show. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Steve, and Sid. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Horrors. This is episode 514. I'm your host, Jackie Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the guy that's afraid of hippos, Alex. I'm not afraid. I'm, like I said before, Tricky, I'm not afraid of hippos. Well, face to face with a hippo, yes. I, or even in the immediate vicinity of a hippo, yes, I'm terrified because read up on hippos, they're killers. But uh, you could just had, give me a warning about the hippos, you know, that, uh, that I was going to be uh, squaring up against. He brings the awesome, and he's not afraid of hippos. It's I yield to no one. I am but one man in a in a tiny boat. Dare I say, dingy. That is the ocean of PlayStation Five lovers. That's way I'm... too like deep for this podcast. You know? <laughs> I-, I was wondering where the hell he was going with that. And we have brought on a special guest. Uh, he is the king of the Rocket League Thursday nights. Uh, it is Garrett. And Garrett, I don't know if you are or not afraid of hippos. What's, what's your stance on hippos? Um, I've never been up close personal with a hippo. Well, a, a, an animal version of a hippo, at least. Um, I think I'd be okay. I think I'd be okay. I'm all right with them. So, Alex, you're the only one afraid of hippos. Bro, they're extremely territorial. If you ever are around a hippo and a hippo doesn't kill you, it's because it lets you live. Just going to say, so they kill say. more people in Africa every year than any other animal. <sighs> All right, let's do our updated trophy count. I am level 681, total trophies of 16,574 with 371 platinums. Alex? I am playing Animal Crossing right now and thus don't have my trophies up. <laughs> <laughs> I complete. I was so excited that Gareth was on, and I was going to get to talk about hippos that I completely forgot we do trophy counts on this show. He is level four five five total trophies of seven thousand eight hundred fifty with one hundred and twenty two platinums and one hundred and twenty one games. Oh, you are fantastic, Tricky Mick. Yes, yield. Uh, level four seven zero with a trophy count of eight three oh three and a platinum count of one four nine. Sid is level 552 with total trophies of 11,382 with 219 Platinums. And Gareth, how about you, sir? Yeah, I'm bringing up the rear. Level 444, total trophy count of 6657 with a plat count of 110. Now, we have to ask Gareth because uh, our, a couple of people have reached out to me um, and said that you are uh, one of the most legit and honorable gamers that are out there 
So we have to ask, because it's the first time on the show, do you have any shameful platinums? <sighs> yes, I have to say. I have to admit there are a few what we would in today's uh, trophy um, collecting is, yeah, a couple of rat plats spread amongst mainly through from sort of trophy competitions that i've been in um but see i I can't i don't think the last one we're looking at a good 12 months since the last one i think i think so so do do we have any mayos no we haven't gone as low as that no Uh, do we have do we have any hannah montanas no i'm clear of hannah montana all right. I think the now, I don't know things like but you know uh, is it Midnight Deluxe Birthday of Midnight, which actually I thought they were actually, quite good games. Actually, they were all right. Right. I mean, listen, there are some games made by Radalika that uh, yes, there are quick platinums, but they're quality games. I mean, I've talked about it on the show. Like Danger, uh, Devious Dungeons is a quality game. Uh, Daggerhood is a quality game. You know, just because you can get a platinum in five minutes doesn't mean it's not a good game. No, I'd so. agree there. I would. All right, and just for the record, because uh, I don't think anybody publicly has said this, uh, you know, me and Daryl are having our no rat plat year, uh, so we formed a council, and you're on that council, so you're one of the people that are judging whether or not me and Daryl are staying in line. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's uh, to be fair, it's been a pretty uh, easy task so far. I don't think either of you have veered off at all. Um, I know that Gareth, you Gareth, I'm gonna be honest. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got to give you credit for the job you're doing because that's like being uh, <laughs> like a, a utility pole in a hurricane. Like there's just so much <laughs> shit being thrown at you that. Yeah, but to be fair, I know, I know Tricky called out Daryl on a couple of FMV games, but you know they're not what I would deem, you know, rap plat um, spam. Uh, I know other people may have a different viewpoint on it, but. Um, you know the pl- the plat length to complete was, uh, I think three, four, five hours, five hours at least. I think it was. So you know, I'd, if if somebody's going for a plat, or in one of those games, it's not a uh, it's not necessarily a quick a quick feat to do that. So uh, so yeah, so so far so good from both of them. And uh, I I have a little bit of a confession to make. Uh, just because I'm not playing the games does not mean I'm not buying the games. Uh, I recently uh sent daryl a picture uh of all my playstation 4 games are uh, listed on uh you know for, for rat plats uh, it's under the folder of two uh 2023 saying that i can't touch this folder until then uh at last count there's 108 games in that folder but don't you aren't you feeling better about it about not you know surely you must be enjoying your gaming more by playing better quality games i am but I mean, like, there's, like, a kick in the nuts because one of the Rat Plats that I have is One Night Stand, which I think is actually a quality game. Um, but, you know, with a guide, you can get the you can get the Platinum in an hour. Uh, they just released the PlayStation 5 version of it, so now there's three more Plats that I can add to the, to the list of 2023. So now it's just, like, sitting on my PlayStation 5 dashboard just staring at me like, don't you want to play me? I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm. Not sure what to say. Yield, you're awfully quiet. Yield, normally you would uh, shame me by now. What's going on? Uh, I'm just waiting for you to crack. <laughs> uh, I I did go through and look at all the bets. I have three side bets. Um, 
Nitro bet me I couldn't go last six months, so I got four more months to go on that. Yeah, you're two months in. And you're already starting to crack. You're already. We can already start to see uh, superficial cracks in the surface. The, the real test, I don't think he's going to crack on his own. The real test is going to be when Daryl starts getting more and more Platinums than him because Daryl doesn't have the side bets. That's when I think what Tricky's going to crack because you know Daryl's just going to shovel shit on him. Oh, of course. And like, I mean, like Garrett said, uh, I called Daryl out on his uh, FM, FMV games, which I wanted to play legit, like not even just for uh, a platinum. I just wanted to try them out, see what they were like. And uh, somebody who will, I will not name uh, called me out and said that that is a rat plat in his eyes. So if I played it, I would have lost the bet. So. I have to last a year of not playing that game for in order to win the bet. So, but it's for the kids, so it's for a good cause. Yeah, a good cause of me getting more platinums this year than you in legit games. Uh, what are you up to now? How many platinums you got this year so far? Three. Right, so I'm only two behind you. Two That's true. I mean, me. again, I think me you, made well. a, you made a mistake by not getting the Jedi Fallen Order platinum because you put in so much work to that already, but. Yeah. All right, so let's get into what we're playing. Uh, Alex, let's start with you. What have you been playing, sir? You know. No, I, I did, like, a take little... Uh, been playing Horizon mostly, Horizon Forbidden West. I've been playing that pretty solidly. I don't know what my total hours are, but I'm probably somewhere between... Probably close to 15 hours at the very least. Um, did a little... Kind of cut off the main road there. Took a little sh- uh, a little off roading for some Rocket League with the fellas last week. We had another private match where we did uh, a couple of Homer's friends. Joe and Travis came to play, so we had Nitro, Yield, Homer, me, and then Joe and Travis. And it was a good time. Had some good games, but really that's all I've been playing besides Horizon Forbidden West. And so I feel like we, you know, I want to have a discussion about that a little more. But has Yield have you cracked into that at all? Yes. Okay, so so Yield can get. I'll I, we'll let Yield give his thoughts first, um, uninhibited, and then we can kind of go into a bigger conversation. Gareth, have you played any Forbidden West? I've not played any of the first one. Okay, so I will get around to it. I've, I own the first one. I own. I own uh, Frozen. Is it Frozen Wilds? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, I own that as well. That's a DLC for it. Yeah, as a as a, a man of high honor and and good games, I I certainly would expect that you would would get into. Horizon, because it's it's a fabulous. It's, it's like I can't think of many other game series that have completely changed my opinion of a game studio before. But like, I mean, like I said, Killzone's not bad. They're just kind of, I mean, they're good shooters, but they're not, you know, tip top of the line. And then you get to Horizon, and Gorilla's making one of the best action adventure games in all of gaming. So, like the the game series itself, actually, you know, I want as many people to experience as possible because it's just they're just fantastic games. And, and not to mention, uh, I, I know this is a weird thing to say, but Aloy is actually on the cover of Vanity Fair. I mean, that's not something Link ever got, so. Well, also, Aloy is a much more interesting character than Link, so. Aloy has I, some I, soul to her. I, I just wanted to put that out there for the uh, the, the Homer of the universe. Well, let's, let's not just start, you know, shoveling dirt Fashion on people Homer. for their opinions, but. I mean, like, it, it's interesting that a video game character is on the cover of Vanity Fair. Have they ever? Because, I mean, there is a person behind Aloy. It's Ashley Birch, right? Right. So it's it's kind of odd that 
there's a video game character on the front cover and the person who plays um, Aloy is not the person who's on Vanity Fair. I don't know. Maybe they've got, you know, Ashley Birch in, inside the, uh, the cover. But, I mean, you know, Aloy is a fantastic video game character. She's very interesting. She's got some depth to her. Like, it, it's almost one of those video game characters you take to very, very early on. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of an odd thing to think about. Yeah. And I looked up the uh the voice cast uh and I'm the 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 villain of this game is actually voiced by Angela Bassett which I was that was surprised I didn't recognize her voice. Yeah, no, I didn't know that either. And I little I the one thing I will say before we let Yield kind of chit-chat about Horizon here is that I think I said it in the other episode but the mocap in this is so good. Like the characters look so damn good when they're talking. Like it, it helps yes. like pull you into that world because like, even people like the guards that are just, you know, watching over prisoners, like, they look really, really good. It's not just, like, the main characters, like, not, like, just Aaron and uh, Varl and, and Aloy just, and Avad. It's not, like, those are the only people that look good. Like, everybody in the world looks really good, and their mouths, like, the way they move, like, looks completely accurate. So I just, I I love the way the games look and the way they've portrayed the characters because they clearly put a lot of work and effort into it. All right, Yield, uh, it's your turn. What have you been playing? So I've been playing some Rocket League. I've been playing uh, a tiny bit of World of Warships Legends. Uh, I've been playing some Batman Arkham Origins with the MP boost. Uh, Deep Rock Galactic. And I finally cracked open Horizon Forbidden West. All right. So as I stated last week, this is actually the first time in the history of the show that all three hosts are played in the same game at the same time. Yes. The, cl- the, think- the closest that we came to it was three out of four of us were playing... The Tomb Raider reboot. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not counting Rocket League because obviously Rocket League we play that consistently. I'm talking about like a new new game at launch, right? Because this it, our our taste in games are a little different. Like I loved God of War and Spider Man, but uh, Alex has only played God of War, and I don't think either one of you guys has played Spider Man. I have it. I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, it's it's really good. You got Miles Morales. You got the first one. I got both. Oh, okay. I picked Ten up four. I picked up uh, the Game of the Year edition for Spider-Man, and then I got Miles Morales with my five. Understood. All right, Gareth, what about you, sir? Yeah, I've, I've played uh, quite a few, actually, this week. Um, obviously, Rocket League with the guys on Thursday, which was a, a whole heap of fun. It was really, and, really and, enjoyable and on you, Thursday. Would you... Uh, you proceeded to demolish them. I saw the highlights. That might have been why it was so much fun, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was good. I like those um, the the games where we were set up in a private lobby uh, and mix up the teams. It's, it's it is good. Um, so obviously no no trophies in that at all. Haven't got the platinum already for it. Um, I've been playing FIFA 22 um, mainly this weekend. The every weekend they do a um, foot champs it's called which is fifa ultimate team championships where you have 20 matches um you get points for wins and obviously rewards the number of points that you get in that so obviously that runs every weekend but i don't tend to do it every weekend because it is a quite stressful uh, experience playing online uh 20 odd time 20 games um but i have done it this week and done all right in it um i hundred percent of the game no platinum in garfield furious kart races so uh, I picked that up in the sale for about two pounds, um, and it's yeah what you expect. It's pretty basic, um, 
nowhere near the likes of anything like uh, Crash or or Mario, but it's it's not an easy. I say not easy. It's not a straightforward hundred uh, percent. You've got a mix of uh, single races or Grand Prix or time trials, uh, and you have to collect spoilers, hats, um, and win the races so you can do that in the single races but there's a trophy to in order to get the spoilers you have to win each of the four uh, sorry the eight grand prix but the grand prix are, are, are four races four separate races back to back but you have to come first place in each one of them so you could play the first three come first place in it but if you come second in the fourth one you've got to do the whole thing again you've got to start again from the first Ouch. race so it was yeah a, they yeah. they actually that's the kind of stuff they do in Mario Kart too. Oh, do they? Yeah. So yeah, um, with the CCs. That's right. Yeah, because you can. I think it's fifty, hundred, and hundred and fifty CC on the on these ones. But well, was, that's the thing that's always annoying about Mario Kart is like they randomly pick one computer player. Like this round to be Peach, the next round is Donkey Kong, and they'll always tell you they'll come in second every race. So if you do drop down in the final race, then that computer always jumps you and almost always wins the the cup. Yeah, that's what I found after having learned it's you were at a disadvantage if you were to um, be at the front of the front of the race the whole way round. You were better off going into the final lap in second or third place um, because your pickups would be significantly better uh, and allow you to sort of win, um, you know, get into the lead halfway round the last lap. So that was a tactic I exploited on that one. Um, G- Gareth, is there like a blue shell equivalent? like super rubber bandy item that if you're in first it just screws you completely <laughs> yeah those um they had like these uh it's like these it sends this like an alien craft to the to the front race uh to the to the leader sorry and um three beams so you've got to try and they flash between red and green so only one is on green out of the three beams if you go through the green you're okay but if you but they move so quickly you can't really plan it which one is just pure luck and if you get uh, hit the red beam it, it zaps you up and it takes a significant sort of amount of time to sort of uh, bail but there's also uh, like you know the homing missiles which go straight to the first place as well so yeah it's a little bit um, unfair in some in some races if you are sort of uh, hammering at home um, but you've also got to collect all the I think it's three hidden uh, jigsaw pieces on, the, on each race as well so but you, they, they, they're stackable so you don't have to do them all in the same race so but it, yeah it was it was it was okay it was it was worth half a pint of beer anyway which is what it costs so um, like you I also played Arkham Origins a bit of the multiplayer but I played some of the story as well I don't I'm enjoying the story I don't think I'm going to go for the plat the I, I can't see myself going through those challenge rooms, getting all medals on that. Um, I'm not enjoying it enough to sort of like Rick, who obviously recently got the plat. I can't see myself going to do that. I will finish the story, obviously, but uh, cause I am enjoying it. But the plat, I, I don't think so. Um, and then the final two is I've been playing um, World Rally Championship 9 on the PS5. Um, obviously, I, d- I do like my races. Uh, and this is a really good... Uh, really good offering. Uh, I haven't played one since I think WRC five. Um, I have to play it differently to how I play not play normal other races because um, I play it in the cockpit view rather than third you know third person from behind the car. Uh, and it is it is far easier. It's far more suited to, to that view. Um, but it's it's really good. The the dual senses um, 
works well, um, depending on, on how damaged your car is and also what, what type of surface you're racing on. Um, it feels, you know, when you when your engine is, is, is on its way out, you know, it's much harder to, to press the right trigger to accelerate. Um, and then similarly, if you're in the snow, it's, it's looser um like as though you're sliding along it um really good dynamic weather in that it, it, the lighting is is excellent it's you know i've, I've got a 10 year old and he, he came down to you know just pass through passing the lounge saw me playing it and you know it, to him it looks it looked really like real life to him but it was uh if if anybody's got any interest in those world rally games that that the uh, WRC nine, which was the f- came out, I think it was a launch title on the PS five, is a is a really good entry point. Um, and then the final game is one that I've only just started this weekend, but it's um, a, a, it's called a Juggler's Tale. Uh, I don't know if any of you've come across that one at all, um, but it's in the it's in the latest PSN store sale. Um, it there's a PS five and PS four cross cross version. Um, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It really does on the PS5. It, um, and the type of game it is, I would say it's similar style to something like Limbo or Inside. Um, almost like a cross between Inside and Limbo and, and Unravel. Um, but it's not a not a huge game. I think it'll be, there's no plat on it, but it will be about three hours to, to 100%. But it's quite a charming story uh, so far into it. Um, it's basically you're this uh, puppet you're it's almost like um you're looking at it from a a play so you're this girl called anna who's what is in a circus um and she's locked in a cage but wants to escape and, and obviously see the world and whatnot so but the, what's so you've got a narrator who's narrating the story as you go along and reacting to what you do um, so if you make a mistake or something he, he he tells you off or if you do something he doesn't want you to do but you've also got to factor in you're connected to puppet strings because as as i said it's like a play so sometimes your strings will get in the way so if like it's a windmill you've got to try and how do you get the solve a puzzle to get around the windmill because you can't because the the puppet the strings are are stopping you from uh progressing but um it's yeah it's let's say it's in the sale at the moment for about seven pounds so i'd imagine it'd be what's that eight nine to ten dollars for for you guys it's eleven dollars here sorry You've it's eleven dollars. Eleven, yeah. So it's um, yeah, really, and it yeah, as I said, it does look really, really good on the on the PS5. It's uh, but it's a nice, quite. A, if anyone needed needed a palate cleanser to uh, if they were going to in between sort of long games, you know, it'd be it would do the job. And that's me done. To be fair, I don't you know, normally have that many on the go, but but this week it has been. Uh, All right. So yield. Uh, I'm going to circle back to you because. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you last week when you opened your PS5, but now that you had some time with it, uh, well, one, tell us about your, you know, how, which what you like or don't like about Horizon Forbidden West, and are you enjoying the the haptic feedback with the DualSense? Uh, haven't really enjoyed the haptic feedback. Uh, it's it's overblown right now for me. I mean, I sort of experienced it on Astros Playroom. Don't feel it that real. Don't really feel it at all on Horizon. Um, okay. My opinion with Horizon, I'm up and down. Uh, I'm not overly blown away with it. I am enjoying myself at times, but 
to me, as of right now, where I'm at in the game, it feels like Horizon 1.5. It it doesn't feel like it made a huge, you know, a huge leap for the next one. And I feel a little offended that they totally don't even mention uh, Frozen Wilds. You know, they just made it sound like the game ended and off we went right off into Horizon Forbidden West. And it's like, well, no, there was a DLC that you did. So I kind of thought that was a little off, but I'm not as far into it as you guys. I'm hoping that my opinion changes a little bit, but that, uh, I mean, that's I'm, where I stand. Not, not to defend, you know, your criticism of, you know, them not mentioning the Frozen Wilds, but I mean, the way they worked that DLC in, like if you never played the game before and came into it, it it the DLC fits seamlessly. It's, it's not so it's just part of the process. Like so, with them not mentioning it, I would assume it's it's more or less the lines of you could have done that content and you know still finish the story after doing that content. Yeah. You know? well, so yeah, I'm but... and I'm not like I said I'm not trying to be an apologist or you know defend it, but that I mean the way they worked it in is like when Gareth goes and plays the first game, he's gonna start doing the Frozen Wilds uh, DLC and not even realize it. Yeah, because it's just it's seamlessly put in. Yeah, and then which is I, I probably should have went back and replayed the whole game before I started Forbidden West because there most of the characters you start running into at the beginning of the game. I'm like, kind of remember you, but I don't. Like, yeah, I, I had the <laughs> like, same problem. Like the only one like I remembered was Sun King Avad. Everybody else, I'm like, I your name sounds familiar, but I don't know who you are. You don't remember Aaron? Well, Aaron. Okay, I'm sorry. So, I like, I really okay. remember Aaron, but I haven't ran into him yet. I'm looking for him. And Sun King of Vod, I'm like, yeah, I remember you. Everybody else, I'm like, no, don't really remember you. I just ran into Petra, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember you. Like, man, I really should have played this game before I go back one, into this. One of the things I like about one of the characters, Aaron in particular, is when you meet that guy, I was fairly certain I was just going to hate that guy. I was like, oh, God, here's this guy. This is going to be a typical character I hate. But he's turned out to be one of my favorite characters in the game. I really like Aaron, and I like how they did that 360, or not a 360, but a 180 on him, where at first I was kind of like, I was groaning whenever I saw him. But then as time goes on, it's like, oh, this is one of, you know, this is a really good friend of Aloy, and I really like this character. So they, you know, early on, like, Aaron hasn't been a huge part of the story so far with me. I mean, you do get some time with him, but I think that his time uh, will come. Uh, him and Varl will be more play more of a role later on in the story. But uh, that is one thing I really liked about Aaron's character is that at first I thought I was going to hate him, and I've turned out to really, really like him. And one of my complaints about the, the Horizon games, particularly the story, is there's a specific character I think they should have paid more like made more references to or showed a little bit more love, so so to speak. And they haven't said anything in Forbidden West. And I feel like when you play through Horizon Zero Dawn, they kind of give this character the shaft. And, like, what happens to this character isn't as meaningful as it could be because they're not, like, very, you know, they don't. They, it seems like they don't spend enough time talking about this one particular character that is important to Aloy. And then it kind of seems like that character is not actually important to Aloy. I don't know. Do you guys, guys who have played Horizon Zero Dawn, do you know who I'm talking about? I vaguely remember who you're talking about. Like, okay. Name starts with an R? 
No. Yeah. And that's not who I was. That's not who I was thinking of. All right, we'll t- we'll talk about it off the show. Uh, okay. I don't but yeah, there there is one important character at the beginning of Horizon Zero Dawn that I feel like has never been given as much, you know, um, love or you know hasn't been looked looked back upon um, as they should have been. Like they they didn't they and I I can't really say anymore without spoiling it for somebody like you know Gareth who hasn't played it. But I think that they could have done more justice for one particular character, and they haven't done that. You know. Towards the end of Horizon Zero, uh, Zero Dawn, or at all in Forbidden West. So, and, and my only complaint about uh, Forbidden West is that and, and it's gonna, you know, be a little hypocritical because of the way I feel about games. But I think there's just too much story with this one. It's like every time you run into a character, you know, whether it's a main mission or a side mission, you're sitting there for five to ten minutes having a conversation, and it takes you out of the action. A little bit too much. Now, sure, you can skip over it, and you know some some of the information. It turns out, you know, is basically pointless. Like it's just they're having a conversation, but it's it just seems like every time you run into a character or you get in a mission or whatever, it just it, you sit there for five to ten minutes. And this is hypocritical to me because I love the Metal Gear series, in which the Metal Gear is basically, you know, series is like. You know, it's a twenty-hour game, but fifteen hours of it is all cutscenes. Tricky. I'm gonna so. I'm gonna play something out here. I think that okay. this isn't a fault of the game. I think it's a fault of people who play games because, you know, I've heard uh, there's a Pokemon podcast I listen to. It's super effective, and, you know, I've heard the term game gobbler on there, and it may not have originated there, but that's where I heard it first. Like, we tend to be as a community game gobblers, and I know particularly like, you know, we try to get through games very quickly. And I think that this isn't a game that's intended to go through quickly. I think it's intended to, you know, be a, they built this world and it's it's there for you to experience. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of story and a lot of characters and a lot of nooks and crannies to go through. So I don't see it as a fault of a game. I see it as a fault of us trying to rush through games to get to the next game. You know, because that, that's the well, way I- we play a lot of times. Is you know we have trophy competitions and we have you know but comp- annual competitions every year, and you know there's some level of competitiveness, but it's not like people out there cutting each other's throats or anything like that. But still, like we tend to start games and then try to blast through them. So I don't think I don't see that as a fault of the game, really. I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to rush through the game, and it's like it's and honestly, you know, you have a valid point there. But I'm not looking at myself like it, it, as that. Like I'm not saying like I want to get through this. I'm enjoying my time. Like this Forbidden West has been the game, which you know, very rarely with me actually like has me addicted to it. Like, I can't stop playing it. I find myself waking up and immediately want to start playing, but, you know, between work and other responsibilities, I can't play as much as I want. That's because you're a perf for Aloy. That's why you want to play it so much. Well, Aloy's hot. Okay, let's just put it there. Well, let me ask you, because, I mean, there was some discussion before the game came out about the length of the game itself, and this might interest Gareth as well. But, you know, there was uh, an article posted, I think, that... Homer posted it in the group, and then you know JT said that um, Power PYX commented that there, or that you can find on that website that it's like a thirty-hour platinum or something like that. You know, and maybe you can get to that, or you can blow through the story in a certain amount of time. But looking at the map and how much I've played so far, and just doing the side missions, because doing the side missions does help. It does give you extra XP, and it does give you skill points that you can use to upgrade different facets of Aloy. So that does help to do the side missions. But looking at the map. There's no way I'm going to ever get this platinum before 60, 70 hours. This game is massive. Oh, 
Well, I mean, to be fair, the 30 hours was just to complete the story. It wasn't to get the plot. Yeah, but I, I just think that if there's any concerns, you know, because people, have, you know, always ask, you know, how long is the game? That's why how long to beat exists, you know, whether it's always accurate or not. But if you're buying this game, you're buying and you are actually going to play the game and you're going to do side missions and stuff, you're going to have a hefty, hefty time sink here. So just, you know, just in case anyone's worried that the game might not be that long. All right. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to make, mention a few other things that I really liked about the game. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was I was just trying to get on because we're 30 minutes into the show. We haven't even got to the first topic yet. Well, dude, we we do this all the time. We say this all the time. But no, I know. Um, I know. Just a few like other smaller notes. Just through the uh, going through the game, uh, the machines are super super cool. Like you thought the machines in the first game were cool. Like yeah, they got mechanical T Rexes and they got mechanical crocodiles or alligators, whatever they are. You know, they got mechanical. Um, Bulls. I got this, that, and the other. This game takes it to a new level because the enemies in this game are super fucking cool. Like, yeah. the regular enemies in this game are better than bosses in most games. So, and I'm I'm level 19. There's a trophy for getting up to level 50 as there was in the first game. I'm level 19 and I tried to take on, I found a uh, Thunderjaw site. I tried to take on the Thunderjaw. How'd that work I, out for you? What's that? <laughs> the, how'd that work out for you? It didn't work out well because... Yeah, regardless of how many game, regardless of whether you got the platinum in the first game or not, and how what level you are now, the thunder jaws don't go down easy. So, it yeah, I, yeah. it killed me a couple times. It killed me a couple times before I decided to be like, all right, screw this. I'll come back to it later because it just takes so. Even if you're knocking off the main components, the weak points, it still has so much damn health. Well, I, I'm you, you, I'm going to say need, that I cheese. I can't remember the name of it, but you need that arrow, that arrow that does kind of like a, a a sonic boom, so to speak. You know, oh, that pops off. That doesn't help components. in this one. That does not help in this game, Yield. Really? It doesn't help like it did in the first game? Oh, no. It does not help in this one. No. Um, I will say that I kind of cheesed my first Thunderjaw. Um, I'm not going to tell you where I found it, but uh, there was a, a a car that I was able to hide under, and the Thunderjaw wasn't able to hit me, so I was just spamming arrows and hitting it you, you so, must have had to go through like thousands of arrows to kill that thing because yeah i i went through quite a few all right uh so uh the only thing i've been playing all well, week hold is on, horizon um yeah go ahead alex it's a massive game you no, uh, you you referenced the hippos earlier and you don't even go into that at all well it's because i just want to tease you about you know you being afraid of hippos so folks if you played the first game the snap malls are one of the most difficult enemy in the game and oh, i'm God, playing i hated those well, they're back. I found my first one this past weekend, Yield, so they're back. But they also now introduce in Forbidden West the Wide Mall. So I'm just happening upon this little settlement, and there are mechanical hippos. And these fucking things... Hungry, hungry hippos? They're hungry for blood. They're hungry for the earth. Because these things can open their jaws all the fucking way, like some kind of like carnivorous plant. And they literally <laughs> dig into the earth, and they will shoot. Like I don't care if you they're on one side of the screen, you're on the other. They can close that gap within fucking seconds and be right on your ass. And they can also go in, like they go in the water. So if you're swimming and, and you think you're safe, no, they'll go right in the water, just like real hippos. So they are extremely territorial and aggressive, just like regular hippos. One of, one of the coolest new machines I've seen, and I've seen a lot of cool machines. Uh, the kangaroos are super cool, and they're tough as shit. Um, yeah, I got into a group of those, five of them, and they ch they chased me off. Like I fought all these different machines, and I got a group of, like I got a group of five of those coming after me, and I'm like, oh fuck this, I'm running away because I'm not dealing with this shit. Um, 
so yeah, they take the machines to the next level in this game, and they're all really, really cool. And you know, tricky. I'll, I'll give you your time here in a second, but um, a couple. If you I guys are having that. trouble navigating the world of Forbidden West, the focus does really help you because it'll show you exactly where you know it'll highlight you know places where you can like climb and you know if you're stuck somewhere and you you don't know where to like platform to, they'll give you hints like very very clear obvious hints about what you can grab, what you can climb, you know where you can jump. So. The focus is very helpful for anyone, you know, stuck in a certain area and not sure where to go or how to climb like a certain mountain or crag or something like that. The stash, I like the stash. It's, um, you know, you have pockets or pouches that you can store medicinal items or, you know, uh, just ingredients to make stuff for your crafting. But the stash, like there is a stash where if you overfill your pockets, it'll just go automatically into your stash. And then when you're in a town, you can access there and pull from there. And everything you've been collecting out in the wilds you can get it from there. So I think the stash is a really cool idea too, where it doesn't, you know, prevent you from collecting stuff. So if you need it later, you just go to a town and boom, open up your stash. And then I like the accessibility options. There's like on the main menu and even within the game, the in-game menu, there's accessibility option where it's definitely like just an example I saw where anyone who, you know, needs a little extra help playing the game, like they, if you're riding a uh, machine, instead of you, you, know, you having to steer you know, down like a road or like down a pathway. If you're trying to get from point A to point B, it'll keep you on the road without you having to steer. So there are a lot of accessibility options in this game. And we've seen that more and more from like the last of us part two and stuff. So I'm glad that Sony is reaching into that and making these games more accessible to other for, you know, to people who maybe, you know, don't um, have the dexterity or something like that to, to play the game in the way that, you know, everybody else does. So I think the the introduction of accessibility options is really good. That that option to stay on the road doesn't work that too well because I keep running into things and he or my my uh, machine just stops oh. because it ran into a rock. Well, so they're they may, trying. They may need to tweak that a little bit. All right. So the only thing I've been playing is Horizon, and I dabbled a little bit more into Rock Band. Uh, got us to the next uh, stage. Uh, Yield. I just want you to show for band practice, like you know, one time. Yeah. Okay. We're doing good, but you know we could always use uh, an extra guitar on set. Coffee. I figured we'd get a little bit more out of you. All right, so <laughs> let's get into our topics. Uh, as is customary on the first show of the month, we are going to tell you what you're going to be getting for PlayStation Plus. Uh, the games have been announced. Your free PlayStation Plus games are going to be Ark Survival Evolved, Team Sonic Racing, Ghost Runner, the PlayStation 5 version, and the standalone version of the multiplayer Ghost of Tsushima Legends is also being added. All games will be available from March 1st to April 4th. After that, you'll still have you'll still have to have an active PlayStation subscription to add the games, obviously. And if you're playing on PS4, unfortunately, you will not be able to get Ghost Runner unless you get it from the website. So, uh... Yield, I'm going to start with you because you've been a little critical uh, on the, uh, I guess the best term is half games that we're getting. There you go. Plus. There you go. Um, Now, before I let you go, uh, I've always been, you know, you know, I come back at you a couple times because I'm saying we, we're typically only supposed to get three games and they're giving us the fourth half game this time. I mean, this is the second month in a row, which is a bonus to me, but you're a little critical about them giving us the half games. Why don't you tell us why? Well, because they're games... It's not like you're giving me a half game of a game that 
that either like just came out or maybe one that didn't sell really good of that you are very popular of. You're giving me a half game of a game that was game of the year contender, you know, and Ghost of Tsushima. You're giving me a half game in a game that is Grand Theft Auto that it's on its third console. Hey, come on, man. Be better. That That's my thing. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't gripe. It's free as long as you're a member. Do better. This almost just seems like a bunch of guys sitting around. Well, what are we going to do here? Well, hey, let's give them the DL. Let's give them the online multiplier. Yeah, hey, that's a great idea. Hey, launch. Meeting adjourned. Hey, come on, man. And that's just how I feel about it. I, I, I feel that, in a sense, maybe that this is kind of a way to to make them feel seem better because everybody's on this Game Pass kick. Uh I, like I said, I, I'm just not a fan of it. I, I, I feel that it should be called out for what it is instead of everybody just, good job, Sony. Hey, good job. Yeah, you guys are doing great. Uh, do better. Well, I mean, right. if they end up keeping PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus separate, which we don't think they're going to do, but if they do... I mean, news just came out that Sony's going to put Shadow Warrior 3 on PS Now at launch, which is, you know, a game style, a game um, pass style move. Now, granted, Sony has released games on PlayStation Plus for free day and date with its, you know, actual release. They did that with the Destruction All-Stars last year. So, I mean, it's not like Sony has never done that. But with PlayStation Now, I don't think they've ever done that. So, if they do keep Now and Plus separate, and they're starting to put day and date games on Now... I mean, you may see the the offerings for PlayStation Plus get worse, which I don't think they want to do because I think that obviously if you're going to keep people happy, you want to keep people happy with Plus and not Now because I think Now is just kind of seen as an afterthought, and no matter what they do, I don't think it's going to pull people over to the other side. All right. Garrett, how do you feel about all this? Yeah, I'm, I, don't, oh, the, I suppose the biggest thing for me on this, this for this month, I mean, firstly, I'm quite happy with the three games because I don't own any of them first and foremost. Um, but they have double dipped on two of them because both Sonic and Ghost Runner are on PS now already. Um, Ark, not really sure what it is. Not 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 played it. I've seen it on sale on the store. Um, and the Ghost of Shima, I've not played the the main game. I haven't necessarily got an issue with with this one per se. Not like it was for. Um, what was it? Godfall we had, wasn't it? Which was the end game DLC, end game challenger edition. I think it was, wasn't it? Because right. we're not sure really what the what the online multiplayer is going to be. I mean, it, 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 I suppose it's the equivalent of them if they were to dish out um, Last of Us factions free, isn't it? I guess it's that it's that equivalent, you know, that mode. So I'll reserve judgment on that one until until I see it. Um, Having said that, because I've not played the, the the main game of that, I may not even sort of um, get around to sort of trying the multiplayer until I've until I have played it. So, so yeah, that's All my right. thoughts. Alex, Alex, what do you think about the games being uh, offered? I mean, I don't know much about Ghost Runner. I I've played Sonic Racing. Was it Sonic Racing Transformed on the PS on the Vita? I mean, I played a Sonic Racing game. I'm not. I don't really like the Sonic characters. I think they're all kind of stupid. So I if I'm playing a mascot kart racer, I, I want to actually like the characters because that's part of the 
actual character of the game itself is you want to you know like the roster of characters not just the the cards they're racing in so I, I i don't care for sonic racing that much but people a lot of people like sonic so you know i don't i don't think it's a bad pick necessarily um you know i can't speak to the quality of the game but i'm just not interested you say sonic and i'm immediately disinterested and then uh ghost Shima legends i've played legends online so it doesn't really pertain to me arc is one that i i don't know i've never had an inkling to play the series but i'm gonna download it and you know once i'm through forbidden west and i've got nothing to play i might definitely i might i mean i don't want to say definitely but i might check it out and and see what it's all about because i know that arc you know is a long-standing series and it's you know I, th- I think there is a following for it so it you know it can't be for nothing so i'm not i'm not doing you know i'm like going not going outside jumping on the trampoline and doing you know flips and cartwheels and stuff for this lineup but i also don't think it's you know the worst thing they could have given us all right and yeah like i don't own any of these games and uh i actually haven't tried out legends on ghost of Shima at all but if they're if it's a separate trophy list and a platinum, yeah, I'll probably try it out, give it a shot. So, all right. So moving on here. Last week we talked about Capcom was uh, has a countdown, and yes, our suspicions are correct. Coming from IGN and written by Matt Kim. After six years and two updates, Capcom is finally moving on from Street Fighter Five and has officially announced Street Fighter Six. As teased through the Countdown website, Capcom has officially announced Street Fighter VI. Following the end of the Capcom Pro Tour Fighting Game Expedition, the Countdown was supposed to end at 9 p.m. Pacific time, but remained locked until the end of the stream. Uh, News for Street Fighter VI is coming out later more this summer. The short teaser revealed a beefed-up Ryu as he faces Luke, the 45th and final character from Street Fighter V, who was teased to be in the sequel. The announcement for Street Fighter VI also coincided with the 35th, 35th anniversary of the franchise. Capcom also announced the Capcom Fight Collection, an anthology of 10 classic titles, including the full Dark Stalkers series. Uh, and the Capcom Fight Collection will be released on June 24th for the PS4, Nintendo Switch, Steam, and Xbox One. I thought that's weird that it's not coming out for uh, PS5 or the series. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Street Fighter Six is on its way. I think a necessary move for Capcom. It's you know been so long since Five came out, and people love Street Fighter, so they had to do it at some point. And the 35th anniversary makes makes sense. You hit those five year increments, and you got to have something big for people. You know, unless you're Nintendo and you decide to do jack shit for the Zelda 35th anniversary. It's also worth noting that this will be the first Street Fighter game that will be developed without the longtime producer Yoshi Yorno Ono, who obviously has been behind every single Street Fighter game ever made. So, lots of questions there. Hopefully, uh, when we see more in the summer, we'll get more news on that. Next thing we have to talk about, and Gareth, I will tell you, I put this topic in the agenda solely for you. Thank you. Uh, this is coming from IGN and is written by Joseph Noop. Uh, EA CEO Andrew Wilson reportedly told his staff in November that the FIFA license has been, <coughs> excuse me, an impediment, impediment to EA's hopes for its f- future Im- impediment. There you go. Future football games. Citing sources familiar with the conversation, Video Games Chronicle reports that Wilson told a staff in an internal meeting that FIFA, the organization that kept EA from expanding FIFA, the games, 
into additional modes beyond the standard 11 versus 11 or, quote, broader digital ecosystems, end quote. Wilson has also reported, uh, reportedly stated that the only value EA received from FIFA in a non-World Cup year was four letters on the front of the box. That's strong words. Quote, I'm going to be more open, more open than I've ever been with the outside world, Wilson reportedly said. When asked why FIFA... Well, actually, why EA was considering a break it up with FIFA. Quote, we've had a great relationship with FIFA over the past 30 odd years. We've created billions of value. It's just huge. We've created one of the biggest entertainment properties on the planet, I would argue. And this may be a little biased, but the FIFA brand was more has more meaning as a video game than it does as a governing body of soccer. We don't take that for granted and we try not to be arrogant. We worked really hard to try and make FIFA understand what we need for the future. End quote. In another installment in the long-running feud between EA and FIFA organization, which recently saw FIFA appear to challenge EA's football monopoly, the organization released a statement in October stating itself, calling itself, quote, bullish, end quote, over the future of gaming and esports. The statement similarly appeared to denounce EA's grip on the football game market, drastically outperforming its only competitor, Pro, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. FIFA reportedly wants to charge EA upwards of $1 billion a year for the rights to the FIFA brand. EA currently owes, holds a 10-year naming deal with FIFA, but that could expire without the renewal after this year's uh, World Cup. There's a Q word in there. I just don't know how to say it. Uh, making FIFA 23 potentially the last EA Sports football game with FIFA branded. Now, the article does go on to say more, but obviously it's just repeating a lot. Gareth, I know, and maybe, you know, I'm wrong for assuming this, but uh, football, uh, you know, as we call soccer over here in the States, is very popular in Europe. You say that you play the games. Does this really, like, impact you or, you know, are you, are you going to miss if EA doesn't make a FIFA game anymore? Yeah. yeah. Firstly, that Q word, Q word is the name of a country. That's Qatar. Okay. Oh, good that, God, Tricky. <laughs> that's where the I, I, did, I didn't want to take a chance of butchering it. <laughs> wow, you could say Qatar. I didn't want to take a chance of butchering it. So You take a chance on butchering plenty of other things when you talk on this podcast. Okay, stop cutting Gareth off to let the man speak. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing is, you mentioned one billion a year. As I understood it, it was um, FIFA were actually asking it was going to be one billion every four years. Um, but so, which is still a lot of money. But yeah, so um, okay, going back, I've obviously I've played football games all my life. Going, you know, from being eight years old, seven years old, probably, and I've played both Pro Evolution Soccer, played FIFA. In fact. I predominantly went down Pro Evolution soccer route because the gameplay was was far superior up until probably about certainly the PS all through the PS1 and the PS2 days, and then we st- we started getting get the network adapters on the PS2, and that was the first time you could play online. Um, but the, the the server issues on the Pro Evolution um, really messed up the, the whole franchise. It was because that's where the, the game was going. Um, and it, it just wasn't that they, they wouldn't there was no good to, to play online so I moved across to FIFA probably I think it was 2008 and I've bought every every FIFA since then um, the biggest thing I think what the 
where they're going to miss it is this licensing is what how they get around the real names and players and the clubs or the licensing around the, the actual competition so pro evolution soccer only has i think it is two or three officially licensed teams with the um accurate player names and the accurate club names so that makes a big difference to people it's it's a lot of the reason so like pro evolution soccer we've got teams over here like liverpool liverpool manchester united you, teams you may not have heard of if you don't follow football but um in pro evolution soccer those teams are known as merseyside red or manchester red you've got arsenal which are a, a famous london team and they're they're called london north london red you know and eventually i think people got fed up with that because playing online where the, where the these football games have evolved to and, and all the different modes that you can get. So the biggest mode where FIFA would make the most money, but 10 times over what they make from the sale of the game is on the um, ultimate team section, which is almost like a, um, I, haven't, I haven't played Madden, but I suppose it's like a draft. You end up playing online, you earn coins, you and you can buy packs and in the, within there are, are different players. They're rated higher, they get special cards. So it's a bit of a loot box type scenario. And that's where and you can buy, pay real money for this. So people want to be dealing with those real named players, uh, real clubs. Um, and I, I do think the licensing will have a, will have a major impact on the, um, on the future of the game and, and how well it how well it does, um, which is one of the reasons we've seen Pro Evo um, tail off, and, and that ultimately they've ended up trying to combat that by going free to play, which has been disastrous for them this year. Um, so it will make this. I wasn't really sure what in in that article where he was going with the license. Um, sorry, the the type, different types of modes, saying it's limited to eleven v eleven because FIFA has. The last two FIFAs in particular have got multiple player modes. Obviously, you've got your classic 11 v 11. They've got they've got their own story mode now. They've got a, a five aside, a Volta, which is your sort of skill school thing. You've got your your pro clubs. Pro clubs is where you could have 11 different people, 11 different ten, you and 10 of a mates all playing online, and you just take ownership of one player. So it's 11, t 11 individuals making a team and you play online against other clubs of that. Um, you've got the FIFA Ultimate Team. So within the game, there's already six or seven different modes, which, and I can't really struggle to, I'm, I'm struggling to think of where else they, they could take it. So, um, you know, if they, if they want to keep it with within sort of... The can I, can, I, can yeah. I cut you off for one second? Because there's, there's a quote, I actually stopped in the article a little uh, too early. Uh, this quote says, Our players tell us they want more cultural and commercial brands relevant to them in their own markets, more deeply embedded in the game. Brands like Nike. Because FIFA has a relationship with Adidas, we're not able to do that. Our players tell us they want more modes of play, different things beyond the 11 versus 11, and different types of gameplay. I would tell you it's been a fight to get FIFA to acknowledge these types of uh, types of things that we want to create because they say our license only covers certain categories. That uh, that quote comes from Wilson uh, from EA. Okay. So I'd imagine the cosmetics, your loot boxes are going to cover the, um, the the different brands, sporting brands. As I said, you've got Adidas. So within your, um, I, I mentioned the pro clubs earlier, you can buy uh, boots or kits you know, or, or, or team jerseys or stuff like that, you know, and obviously they're branded with Adidas or other sort of um, sports sports brands that they've got partnerships with. So 
that was, I guess that's where probably where they're looking on on that front. Um, and I'm not creative enough to think of what other modes you could put in there. I mean, it it, it seems pretty expansive as far as I'm concerned. Having played the games for the best part of 25 years, um, it's, it's certainly grown a lot more than what it has done. And it's in particular over the last sort of five, six years uh, in terms of the modes. Um, and it would affect, I think it would affect me personally, whether I, whether I purchased. I'd, I don't want to go back to playing um, games with not licensed players, not licensed clubs. Um, you can, I think Provo does have uh, option files that you can download to bring them in, but it's, um, it's a bit of a hassle. Um, and Pro Evolution Soccer, that's made by Konami, right? That's yeah. literally the only game they're still producing. That's right. Yeah, it is Konami. So they had a, as I said, but that's now free to play. They did have a year out a couple of years ago as well to try and um, come back come back strong um, on the new generation of consoles, and, and that has not gone to not gone to plan at all. It's uh, it's really struggled to get off the ground. But there is another. Um, there is at least one more football um, or soccer game that is in development at the moment, which is going to be, as I understand, free to play as well, um, and it's all going to be licensed. So there will be further competition for FIFA to um, continue making sort of good quality quality games. So that's probably where they're looking at. If there's further competition in that market, you know, they want to sort of, um, you know, get a head start on it now before you start losing market share. Yeah, I think that all you really need to say, well, I mean, there's a bit more to it that Gareth went into, but the fact that Konami is the one that puts out Pro Evolution Soccer, Kind of helps you understand why it's in such a bad position. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got some more bad news for EA in our next topic. A game that uh, swept through popularity within our group and then quickly died off. Knockout City is going free to play. Well, and EA it, will it not. Di- it be- died off because we all got the platinum. Coming from IGN and written by Ryan Dinsdale, Knockout City is go- soon going fully free-to-play and EA is stepping away as the publisher. Developer Velen Studios announced in a blog post that it's taken over and will self-publish the dodgeball combat game when it enters its second year on the market, coming into effect when the game enters Season 6 on June 1st. Knockout City Season 5, which begins March 1st, will have less content as a result of the changes. There won't be any new Brawl Pass, new map, or new ball, and there will also be less cosmetics and bundles. Verlin Studios says this reduction in content will only be temporary, however, and that things should return to normal at the beginning of Season 6. Quote, we're really excited to bring our game to millions of new players around the world by removing the price tag entirely. We couldn't have introduced Knockout City to the world without the incredible support of EA Originals, but now as we switch to free-to-play, the natural step for us is to take over the publishing responsibilities and work even more closely with our community. Now, uh, that's where the article ends. Yield, uh, you kind of said, you know, you guys, it died off because you all got the platinum, uh, but you actually enjoyed Knockout City. Is going free-to-play a smart move here? I mean, I I guess it depends on how the player base still is. I mean, if they still have a lot of people in there, it very well might. I I haven't really given the game much thought after we all got the platinum. Is it crossplay right. with and other platforms? Yes. Yes. It is. So it is. 
it it kind of um because Destruction All Stars was you know paid at first, right, and then they went free to play, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yes, it kind of feels like the last stand, to be perfectly honest, because like I know before they shut down Harry Potter Wizards Unite, I had heard that Warner Brothers and Niantic were um, introducing ads into the game to try to help with revenue. And it seems like this is kind of their way, like, okay, well, we need to get people, more people playing our game, so we'll make it knock down some of those barriers, at least that big initial barrier of having to pay, and we'll make it free to play. It seems, it, it just rigs of desperation. Like, it's like our community's not going well, and we have to do something big, you know, change the model, the business model we're doing in order to get more people interested because the game itself is just not keeping people around. I mean, people may enjoy it from time to time where they may, you know, play until they get the platinum and just move on. That is the danger of online games. And, you know, Rocket League has managed to avoid that. But a lot of online games and multiplayer heavy games, people will just move on to the next thing after they've kind of gotten the platinum. So to me, it feels like they're they're at the last stand here trying to to support this game i mean you say that and you and you know but rocket league as you referenced uh doesn't suffer that i mean the community's still out there still playing the game i mean going free to play is not like the end all be all like oh our game is dying we have to do something i mean rocket league is still surging rocket league had big partnerships and they were having big tournaments every year and it's a huge esport and it's you know this this game is not that Right, you know, didn't you mention something in the article about the the community drying up and the number of people leaving the game just being kind of astounding? Uh, it doesn't really say that in here. I mean, they said uh, the only thing they talked about is the uh, bringing in more people. Um, it doesn't say like their player base died off. I mean, it doesn't say that, but I mean, I would assume that's part of the uh, the reason why they're going free to play because they said. We're really excited to bring our game to millions of new players around the world by removing the price tag entirely. Well, did so, when Psionics was bought, Psionics was bought by Epic, weren't they? Yes. And we know what that you know Epic's big big game is Fortnite, which is free to play. So I'm assuming it wasn't because you know they were losing people in their community, the players. They probably just went free to play when they went when you know Epic bought them because that's the kind of business model Epic wants. Oh no, they were free to play before Epic bought them. Oh, wasn't that part of their partnership, though? They went to the Epic Game Store and they went free-to-play after that? They, no, no, they went free-to-play, and then shortly after that, I mean, maybe a couple months, they were purchased by Epic. So, I mean, well, obviously, if, they, you have if to Epic was buying them... was in place already before that couple right, months. Right, I was going to say, they, they, they had, you know, I'm sure they had conversations leading up to it. Uh, but, yeah. All but, right, but, I mean, so, do you think yeah. I'm wrong? Does this not just seem like they're trying to pump up the player base because they need to? Is they, like... I don't think you switch to free to play all of a sudden in order to cuz like you saw the same thing with Destruction All-Stars like I said you need to build up your community this is what you try to do cuz obviously asking people to pay for the game is not what's working. I don't know how much impact it's going to have going free to play given that it is effectively free to well free to play already given that it's been already given away on PS Plus it's already on Game Pass oh, through sure. EA Play. So to, to be fair, Rocket League was given away day and date when it launched on uh, Plus back when it first launched. So yeah, Knockout City I'm talking about that that was given away as free as a free game on PS Plus, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Rocket League and Knockout City were both yeah. given away for free on launch. Yeah, but he I think I mean what Garrus is saying is it's on Game Pass. It it was at one point free to play for PlayStation. So is this really going to help him? 
at all because the game has been you know available free for a, a large chunk of time for for a big player base you know uh, PC, Xbox, PlayStation have all had the opportunity to play that game for, for free or or as part of a subscription. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't really enjoy Knockout City uh, the way that uh, Nitro and Yield and uh, Riley all did. I mean, it's not a bad game in my opinion. I just didn't get into it the way they did. So, and and. Not to take the words out of Yield's mouth, but you know, he like he just said, once he got the platinum, he hasn't really thought about the game much after that. No. So. To be fair, Rocket League is the only game that I continue playing after I've got the platinum. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I I got that problem with the division, but we won't go there. Uh, all right. So that is that. At this point, uh, I am gonna uh insert some audio, uh. Daryl was unfortunately unable to join us for the main show, but uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the game uh, Martha is Dead and how they were censoring it. So I sat down with Daryl before we recorded the main show to hear his opinions, and I'm going to put that in here now. All right, so Daryl, uh, we're going to do a follow-up on the article we were talking about the other week about uh, PlayStation censoring a game, and I figured, you know, bring you on to now that we know what has been censored and what has been cut out we are going to sit here and talk about uh all the impacts uh now i will warn anybody that's listening to this there is going to be somewhat of spoilers in this article uh so i'm going to read the article in its entirety i know daryl you already have so I'm going to try to get through this as quick as possible and then get your thoughts and opinions on this yes, sir. So this article is coming from IGN and is written by Ryan Dinsdale. It says, uh, Martha is dead, and here's what was removed on PlayStation and why. Uh, so you know, make sure to go give this article a click because, as I said, I'm about to read the entire article. PlayStation versions of the historical horror game Martha is Dead has recently received seemingly last-minute modifications, and we know what was removed or modified, at least, and, and some of the reason as to why. Having spoken to publisher Wired Interactive and consulted with IGN's reviewer, we know we now know the PlayStation's version has quick has removed interactivity from scenes where players slice and peel off a corpse's face and cut open a corpse's womb with scissors. References to masturbation were also removed, and the PlayStation version features more detailed content warnings at the start of the game other than other platforms. An optional censored mode was also added to the PS4 and PS5 versions that, if turned on, entirely removes the face-peeling and womb-cutting scenes, along scenes depicting miscarriage and suicide. All versions of the game feature an option to censor scenes of self-harm in the final chapter, but Xbox and PC versions do not include the expanded censored mode on PlayStation. Charity Safe in Our World was approached by developer LKA to include a message within Martha is Dead to help players struggle struggling with mental health issues and is now displayed at the beginning and end of the game on all versions, including Xbox and PC. Changes were announced on February 14th, 10 days before the game launched on February 24th, alongside news that the physical PlayStation versions of the game would be delayed for a short period of time. However, at the time, the details that were changed were not available. Neil Broadhead, marketing head of Wired Productions, told IGN that the changes were made due to talks with Sony itself. Quote, 
The changes in content were made as a result of conversations with PlayStation in the lead-up to our launch. Although the changes were not planned and the modifications did result in a slight delay in being able to start production on the physical edition, physical edition PlayStation fully supported us to help minimize this delay, end quote. <coughs> Ratings board, the ESRB, rated Martha's Dead M for Mature on all platforms. A spokesperson for the board told IGN that it's unusual for companies like PlayStation to take decisions about what's appropriate into their own hands. They clarified that, quote, platforms and retailers always have the option to make choices about the content they want to offer their customers, though situations like this are uncommon, end quote. PlayStation declined to, co- declined to comment when approached by IGN about Martha is Dead, and it remains unclear if the changes were made to an overall policy on the game content at the company or if this was a decision based on a, this single case. LKA's founder and CEO, Luca DeLacco, said the modified scenes were a very small part of the game and that, quote, PlayStation players can still experience the story we're trying to tell. This is a vast and complex subject, and the changes that have been made do not distort the gaming experience, end quote. Regarding the interactivity removed from the face peeling and womb cutting scenes, Dalco said, quote, in most circumstances, Martha's Dead is a game primarily focused on giving the player a choice, both in actions they take and the moves they make. However, there are naturally some cutscenes that built into the experience that play out like a movie, but in the original version, we allow some levels of interaction from the player in order to maintain immersion. End quote. Delco explained that the LKA heavily researched the subject material for Martha's Dead, set in 1944 Italy, and was supported by the European Commission for Audiovisual Works of Cultural Interest with the Media Creative Europe. In terms of the removed masturbation references, Dalco made it clear there is no visualization of masturbation or sex in the game, but, quote, it's in the context that has been considered inappropriate, end quote. The to- context that it references takes place while a player is in a psychiatric hospital that practices religious and well as well as medical treatments. Dalco says this is based on historical fact and real-life accounts. Quote, there were places where patients were compulsively admitted and where they often spent their entire lives. They were total institutions, like prisons, restricting a facet of every facet of a person's life, and as such, masturbation was one of the few things patients were able to do. In terms of this scene in Martha's Dead, the player walks in a field dotted with huge crosses and mark mask wearing dolls hanging from them. A voiceover narrate, narrates the experience living in asylum, commenting that there is this one person who would pleasure herself all day long to the point where she would bleed. He added, it's important to note this is a very dramatic moment, moment in which the suffering of the forgotten is recounted. Unfortunately, part of the speech will not be present in the PlayStation version of the game. So, there, there is the article. I know you... Uh, again, for anybody that doesn't know, Daryl is a very uh, religious man and has said that you know some things missing out of the game he wouldn't care too much about because he doesn't personally want to see them anyway. But Daryl, the floor is yours. What do you think about the tweaks and the removals and the official statement? Well, you know, um, I think you and I talked about this a few weeks ago, and I said that you know, as someone who you know, according to my um, uh, religious beliefs and personal sensibilities that like some of these things I might not even want in a game. But I said that it was very important that censorship be avoided at all 
you know, in all possibility, you know, like, like taking something that a creative creates and telling them how they should do things is not necessarily something that I agree with. You know, I don't want anyone coming in telling me how to run my show. I don't want anyone coming in telling me how to make my music and what I can and can't put in there. Because once you start impeding and pushing and, and, and shaping what is and isn't allowed, you never really see things. You never see people get more freedom back. You always see more freedom taken. You know, and that's in general. Yeah, that's not necessarily th- limited to. Th- that's the, the old phrase of uh. Say what? Yeah, that goes to, that goes to the old phrase. You give an inch, and exactly, they take a mile. 100. And so, um, even though in this particular situation, I don't necessarily want to see or experience all of the things that they talk about, it just seems very odd that PlayStation would be so, you know. We would get into get involved in this because I I pulled up the um, uh, just a couple random ESRB ratings on games that are you know available on PlayStation, um, and I'm just reading through them. I'm like, you know, I don't I don't know. Like cutting a face off, like to me, doesn't really seem like that big of a deal in the grand scheme of everything else that's in video games. You know, like think about um, think about Grand Theft Auto Five. Did you play Grand Theft Auto Five, Tricky? Yeah, years it's, ago. The, what, like the opening scene with Trevor is him freaking railing someone from behind, you know? It's just like, right. like that's how you enter, you're introduced to this character, you know? The character does a lot of really effed up stuff, you know? He does. And so it's just kind of like, okay, that exists. So, you know, when do you... Uh, I don't know. Where do you draw the line? It, it, you know, unfortunately, the line keeps getting pushed. The envelope gets pushed more and more and more, and you start seeing more and more crazier things trying to top things for your attention. So, uh, and in PlayStation's own first party, you know, we talked about this last time with The Last of Us Two. Like, I was just reading the ESRB rating on The Last of Us Two, and it you know, there is depictions of lesbian sex in there, and there is nudity in the game. And, you know, people, um, <laughs> it says right here, you uh, approach enemies from behind and slit their throats, you know, interactively. Um, you you blow limbs off. It says you can, uh, enemies are ripped apart into limbs slash body chunks of flesh. You know, cut scenes further depict instances of violence and a human captive bound and hung from a noose uh, before being disemboweled. I mean, that's just like, you know, and then it going on down into the game contains sexual content, a couple disrobing and briefly engaging in a sexual act. The couple is heard moaning and grunting and moaning as the scene turns to black, depicting, um, from the waist up, the female toplessness, you know, and these are just, you know, this is just some of the stuff in the game that's in the, that's in the ESRB write up. And so it's like, okay, all of this exists. Now, to, uh, I'm sorry, to be clear, that was just the last of us part two. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The last right? of us part two. Okay. All right. So that exists. All right. Um, Grand Theft Auto five exists. And then like, okay, Martha's dead. Why, why get involved in this one? Now, yeah, originally, you know, the rumor was they were going to take out the face peeling scene. They were going to take out the womb removing scene. And, you know, they were going to take out the the dialogue about the, you know, self-pleasuring and all that stuff, which they did do some of that. And they made those scenes non-interactable. Now they're just cutscenes. Whereas the Xbox version, it just, you know, it's, it's all there. I, I just don't understand. Like, it's not... 
it's not like they have a, a a fast, you know, a hard line that they drew, you know, it's just like someone got involved in this game in particular. I don't, I don't understand um, why choose this one, you know? And again, I'm not like advocating for, you know, wanting to cut wombs out of people in video games like that. I'm, I don't care. You know, like that's, it's one of those things that that wouldn't bother me necessarily, but it's also not something I would like, would look forward to doing, you know, it's just like, Oh, that exists, whatever. It's no different than any of the other weird mutilations that you do throughout other video games, especially things like I'm playing dying light Two, slow motion, cutting people's heads off and arms off and you know, whatever. It's like, it's a game. It's not real, you know? And, uh, I mean, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you, do you think? I'm sorry to cut you off, but do you think this is this possibility that? And now I have never played the game, and I'm, I'm assuming at this point you haven't played Not the game yet, either. No. Okay. Um, do you think it's a possibility of just how graphic it was, rather than the what you're actually doing? You know, it's possible. Um, you know, and I was looking through other ESRB ratings just to kind of see what the wording is, right? Because it might be. You know, I don't, I've never made a game, so I don't know what it is to work with Sony, but I, I'm, it's not like little old wired productions is going up and handing their game to Jim Ryan, you know, head of Sony and saying, Hey, can I put this on your console? I would imagine you have a liaison, some sort of quote producer type, you know, or some sort of division where you submit your games and you have to have dialogue and conversations with them. I would imagine that whatever information you have to send to the ESRB, you also have to send to your liaison at Sony. And I've heard indie devs talk about like certain people that they work with at Sony and, and how hands-on they may be, how hands-off they might be. Uh, A lot of indie devs complain that a lot of the Sony um, liaisons are a little more hands-off. Um, so my thoughts are, it's most likely whoever Martha is dead's liaison, whoever they're working with is maybe just had, you know, like a bone to pick with it or they didn't like it. You know, I don't know that this is a big picture Sony issue more. So maybe, you know, someone who's working with this particular developer was like, "Mm, we should probably dial that back some, but then again, I don't know. I don't have a point of reference. I'm just kind of assuming all right. I mean, like I said, we we've gotten in depth on this conversation uh, a couple weeks ago when you were on the show, and I, you know, I said on the on that show that we're probably going to get an article saying what has been cut off and what has been yeah. censored and whatnot. So I just want to touch base with you. I mean, so uh, again, just to put a button in this before we close out the segment and return back to the normal show, uh, does this change your mind of what version you're going to play? Are you going to play the PlayStation version or are you going to play the Xbox version? You know, originally I kind of had it in my head that I would play both, you know? Like, I mean, I'm a PlayStation guy. So, like, I want my trophies. I want to, I'm a horror guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a thriller guy. So, like, I want to play this game. And now, more than ever, I kind of want to play this game because of the controversy that's been, it's been wrapped up in. Which has been good for the game because the, everyone's talking about it. Like all of the Facebook groups and stuff, where you know all these little horror groups, like people are all over this because it's gotten a bunch of attention, which is pretty good. 
Um, would I seek out the uncensored version versus the censored version based on the information that we have? Probably not. I mean, realistically, like, do I need to interactively cut someone's face off? No. Do I need to interactively cut someone's womb out? No. Um, do I need to hear about how patients locked up in asylums use crosses to pleasure themselves? No. I mean, to me, none of that. I'm not missing anything by that being gone, but I am alarmed at the fact that Sony decided out of all things, this is what needed to be changed. Um, did you ever play uh, um, Dante's Inferno? Um, yes. And if I remember correctly, because I haven't thought about that game in years, wasn't there like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if there were creatures or humans, but there, something was coming out of like this big blobs. Uh, yes, so there's a creature that she like little baby demons shot out of her nipples. Uh, there's right, right. a scene where you fight Satan, who's like like a minotaur, and he has a giant flopping wiener the size of your character model. That that as you attack him, it flails around at you. You know, it's it's kind of like I mean that game. Yeah, it's it's a great game from start to finish. Like its depiction of uh, Dante's, you know, works. You know what I'm saying with the the different layers of hell. The actual game itself was great, you know. But like it had some wild and freaking crazy stuff in it. It's like no one got involved on that one. Surely a you know seven foot penis flailing around at you while you're fighting in hell would raise an eyebrow or something, you know. Uh, but not the case. So, so it's your. So it's your conclusion that it's probably just the liaison that this got assigned to is why we're getting sent. That is my thoughts. I, I again, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have any insight into that other than just kind of taking pieces of other conversations I've heard over the years and applying it to the information that we have. But that would be my thoughts. I don't know that this is like a big Sony, you know, thing. I, I, I don't think Sony's going to come down. Jimmy Ryan, the, the franchise Jimmy Ryan, is not coming down and saying, hey, no more cutting body parts off. You know, this is the new uh, family-friendly Sony. You know, I think that Sony First Party um, are going to continue to push the limits on violence and you know, they're going to put their games out the way that they put their games out. I think that your big third parties and your second party deals are going to be they're going to get their way. And I just think that these little indie guys who are doing things different on a case by case basis might actually, you know, get a little bit of pushback, you know? And I think that, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the next wave of games coming out don't push back a little bit, you know, and maybe, maybe we push the boundaries on what we can and can't get away with. Surely there's some Colin Moriarty types out there who are going to make their own game and then try to see what they can get away with. Right. All right. Thank you, Daryl. I appreciate you popping in for this yeah. segment. And uh, before I let you go, I know yesterday was your birthday, so happy birthday. Oh, thanks, brother. Um, so let's get back to the normal show. Thanks again, Daryl. All right. We're back. Uh, so thank you, Daryl. Uh, also, again, happy birthday, Daryl. I know it's a couple days late, but happy birthday. Uh, all right. So let's get into our topic. Oh, you know what? Before we do the topics of the week, we have some community questions. You ready for it, Yield? Sure. Time to check my social media, yeah. <sighs> All right, so, Gareth, I have to ask you, are you a fan of that soundbite, or do you not like it? 
I'll give it the thumbs up. All right. So Joe's the only one that doesn't like it. So suck it, Joe. All right. So I'm going to ask this question, and then I'm going to have to go get something to drink because my mouth's getting a little dry. Uh, not that you guys really need to know all that. But Homer comes in with the first question saying, with the recent release of Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster and the announcement of Chrono Cross Remaster, what games are you hoping to get a remaster treatment here soon? Alex, we'll start with you. I would really love to see a Mega Man 3 remastered or like Mega Man 3 kind of with updated visuals, like, you know, say in the style of Mega Man 11. I think that'd be really cool because Mega Man 3 is one of my favorite games. And uh, yeah, I actually I went back and played it last year towards the end of the year when I did my big Mega Man rush through three, four, five and six. So, yeah, I'd like to see that with updated visuals. Well, I guess Tricky was expecting me to go longer because he's in the the kitchen doing some stuff. Yield, sir. Yeah. You're up next. So, um, of course, uh, Siphon Filter. Um, I would love a remastered of that. And if you're going to give me Chrono Cross, then I want Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I know that was the more popular of the two games. I know people like Chrono Cross 2 because not Chrono Cross 2, but Chrono Cross as well. Yeah. I was I, I remember when that came up and and you know you you know Brandon posted in the, oh Homer 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 posted oh, in the um, the group that uh, they were coming out with Chrono Cross remastered and um, my question was you know when did when, in timeline you know when it comes to canon which came first Cross or Trigger because I had felt that Cross was a prequel to Trigger but apparently it wasn't and I was thinking that you know if they wanted to do by timeline. They could always do Chrono Cross first and then later do Chrono Trigger. Yeah, it, yeah. If, if it was a prequel, but I'm pretty sure that it's a sequel. Yeah, but I mean, people seem excited about it, so I, I definitely think that people would lose their minds if Chrono Trigger was coming back out remastered, so... Gareth, sir, do you have a game? Which, which is cool, because, I mean, I, I never really paid much attention to it, so I might pay a little attention to it, maybe pick it up, but like I said, my money's with, with Trigger. And I, I definitely think that, you know, people who enjoyed the first time, the first games the first time around would probably like to see the games with updated visuals. All right, Gareth, you have a game that you want to see remastered? Yeah, I think um, there's, a, there's a couple. I think one of them actually will happen, which is Splinter Cell. I do want to see that come back. And then the second one is, um, I think it was a PS2 game, um, Medal of Honor Frontline. I would end, I'd like to see a remake of, you know, from the ground up remake of that. You know, obviously, I think that's with the opening, the yeah, Saving Private Ryan scene, you know, from the uh, the landing. I think that could be uh, pretty epic on a uh, seeing that on a PS5 or a Series X, One X, whatever they're called. All right, uh, yield. I already did mine. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I like said stepped away. Apparently, uh, Tricky answer... thought that I was going to ramble on. Well, you do tend to ramble on. I kept uh, short and my, concise. My pick is uh, the original Metal Gear Solid. Um, there was a fan who was remaking the game a couple years ago, and it looked absolutely fucking phenomenal. And then, of course, Konami put the kibosh on it and said that, you know, they took down all the videos and everything like that. But I'd like to see a the first Metal Gear Solid remake done. Um, 
unfortunately, I'd like to see it without Konami making it because Konami sucks balls, but we won't go there. Uh, all right, so the next question Homer has is, what's one game outside your preferred wheelhouse, uh, meaning your favorite game and genre, that you actually found yourself enjoying? Garrett, do you want to go first? Uh, come back to me. I need to have a little think. Uh, okay, well, let me let me ask this a little. Uh, let me just throw a little stipulation in here, Alex. What is actually your favorite game of genre? Say action games. Okay, and what game outside of action games do you find yourself enjoying a lot? I mean. There are, I don't typically like soccer games. I know that Rocket League is not a typical soccer game, but, and I don't really, I do like racing games, but they're not always my, my particular flavor, more mascot style or arcade style. So, I mean, I guess Rocket League would fall into the arcade style. Uh, I mean, fighting games, but it's been a long time since I really, really enjoyed a fighting game. All right. Yield, your favorite genre? I would say action adventure games. So I would okay. I would say outside my realm I would probably say Horizon because Horizon's more of a your traditional RPG game. Eh, all right, I mean that's fair. I mean I personally I could still could still consider it a third person action adventure, but I I get the RPG elements. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, uh, I can think of I'm not more a big on puzzle games. But there was a game on the PS3, and, you know, sorry, Homer, we got to go back a few years here for me to have a, you know, what I would categorize as a good answer for your question. But there's a game called Critter Crunch on the PS3, which is a puzzle game, and I really, really enjoyed that. That's a very good game. So I don't typically go for puzzle games, but I quite enjoyed Critter Crunch. All right, Gareth, we're coming back to you, or do you want me to go first? No, no, I can can go. I can go. All right, so what is your favorite (laughs) genre? Say probably same as you would action adventure things like uh, Uncharted, Last of Us, you know, third person, over the shoulder. All right. And a game that I played all, not all that long ago because I, I just can't. I don't know why because I'm still buying them. Is that like the horror genre? Um, and I, I so I buy I buy them all, Resident Evil, whatever it, my Dead Space, and all of these. Yeah, when it comes to trying to put, play them, I can never bring myself to put them on, which which is weird because I, I love horror films. And um, but I, so I played through uh, Soma not too long ago, which uh, I know that's kind of probably a bit of a cop out because I suppose you'd count it as light horror. I suppose it's, uh, but I, I really enjoyed it actually, and it, it did make me think actually I'm gonna I should go back and play some of these like Alien Isolation or Dead Space or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I, I found myself enjoying that more than I thought I would. Yeah, I mean, we got the new Dead Space. Well, not the new Dead Space, but the, remake, the original yeah. coming out all over again, you know, here probably within the next couple of years. So I would say, you know, wait for that one. I Gareth, will do, yeah. And play and what's, that one. What's, what's the other one that's, um, it looks pretty, um, the, oh, something project, is it? It's coming out, is, this, is it something called, something project? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, let me uh, let me do some, Cass, some research here. Cass, and I'll, I'll get back to you on that. All right. Well, why are you doing Cass, that research? Yeah, uh, oh, I can't think. 
I, I think my answer is going to be a little bit of a cop out because I think it falls into the same categories. Uh, I get, you know, my favorite is you know third person action adventure like you know Uncharted, Last of Us, stuff like that. Um, but I'm really starting to like the games for service games, like uh, Outriders, uh, Division, stuff like that. Uh, while those also could be um, action adventure games as well. I, I like the fact that like you can complete the story and the game keeps going on because you're you going after the better loot, you find you know better things to do. So I'm finding myself enjoying those games a lot too. Yeah, and uh, I, I I will second you there that I I also am finding that the games with the kind of the established communities that are you know becoming kind of their own platform and there's a world they're building and you know it's not like there's a start and an end. You can just kind of drop into that community time. It seems like they're trying to do that more with Assassin's Creed, which I definitely would like to see them do by, you know, building a world and then adding to that world, kind of like you would add songs to Rock Band. Uh, Gareth, let me ask you, is it uh, Project Nightmares? No, I've found it. It's the Callisto Protocol. Okay. All right. All right, so at this time, we're going to move on. Uh, Sid has sent us in a Sophie's Trophies. Uh, sorry, Sid, I didn't have time to listen to it before we recorded, so I don't know exactly what game you're talking about. I, my apologies, sir. Uh, so we're going to pass that in now. Hello, everybody. Sid again with another Sophie's Trophy. This one, guys, is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Um, just before I get into the trophy list, though, I have to say... I do prefer Ratchet and Clank 2016. Um, this game, there is, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a good game, um, but I did find the end game, shall we say, the the last part of it, to be a bit tedious. And the last planet and the last boss, I didn't really rate those. Um, overall, though, the game is fun. Uh, it's not too long. Quite an easy platinum. Um, about halfway through the game, I will admit, I put it down to the difficulty where you don't get hurt in battle because I, I don't know, guys, I just got bored. Uh, I think, you know, playing all the Ratchet and Clank games, um, this one, it was, it didn't seem as imaginative. I think they did the rift thing, which I got bored with. I never really used them in battle. Um, but apart from that, it, it's just a basic Ratchet and Clank game. Um, I love the characters of Kit and Rivet. You know, I think they could do with their own game. Um, and before we carry on, guys, I do apologise. I am uh, coming down with a cold, so I might sound a little bit weird. So let's just get into it, eh, guys? So, Masters of the Multiverse, that is your Platinum Trophy. Um, as always, collect all trophies. Rift apart, get separated in Nefarious City. Um, first level, you and Clank will get separated. There's your trophy. Hide and Seekipede, which is defeat the Seekipede. This is a big centipede type boss. Uh, second planet, I believe. You have to uh, kill it. And victory. Complete a Battleplex challenge. As always, this is the arena. Um, most of the Ratchet and Clank games, I believe, have an arena. Um, each one is made up of uh, bronze, silver, gold, with five challenges in there. Um, you just have to complete the first challenge. 
can't stop me. Complete a gold cup battleplex challenge. Now, for this one, guys, you have to go through the bronze and silver. So that's 10 challenges. And then just do one of the gold ones. Hey, Lombax DJ, play three songs on Zerky's jukebox. Uh, where the Battleplex challenge is on that planet, I can't remember the name of it, guys. Um, you will find a jukebox. All you have to do is play three songs. Very simple to do. This crystal is my things. Acquire the phase quartz. Um, this is story related. So all you got to do is play through the game till you get that. Don't you walk away from me. Reach the archives. Um... So, very simple one, this one, guys. Um, again, story related. The archives is a big um, walking robot thing with a library on top. It's loose. Set juice free. Um, okay, guys, I've done it. Um, I can't remember what it is. Um, I know it's story related, so you will get that one. Quite simple. Emotional support robot. Meet the fixer. Again, story related, big giant robot um, that you need to uh, wake up. Rated R. That was a really bad pirate impression, but there you go. Feed Bubbles. Uh, Bubbles is a giant squid type creature. Um, again, story related. Return to Sender. Sink the mothership on Sargasso. Again, story related. You just have to shoot down a mothership. No bones about it. Retrieve the dimensional map. Story related. Um, again. I'm the warden now. Break in and out of prison. Another story related one. Too fuss. Too fuzz. Too nefarious. Defeat Doctor and Emperor Nefarious. Again, story related. That, that will be the last boss. Okay, so now we're going to get into the ones that aren't story related, I hope. More than lint, enter a pocket dimension. Now, these appear on most levels, I believe. Um, when you get near them, you'll have an option to press triangle to open them. So all you got to do is open it. Uh, it's a big blue wall and then walk through to a different dimension. Sartorial steel, acquire a piece of armour. Now, this one, easy. There are loads of places to do this. Um, you've got the Battleplex challenges, you've got the Rifts, um, and you can find them in the levels as well. Um, you can equip whichever armour you want with a different piece of armour. There are three types, which are head, torso and leg. Uh, you can mix and match if you wish. Does this make my tail look big? Acquire and equipped head, torso and leg armour. So once you've found one of each, just wear whatever you want and that trophy will pop. Shiny. Collect a gold bolt. Very simple. As always, um, in the levels, there are gold bolts that are hidden around. Um, I think there's like 28 of them all together. Um, not too hard to find um, for the ones you need for the trophies. Uh, and then there's nooks and crannies, which is collect five gold bolts. So it won't, it won't take long at all. Quantum mechanic. Repair a dimensional anomaly. Um, this is uh, a little clank challenge. It's, it's kind of like lemmings. Um, there are endless clanks running in a certain direction. And you have to work out how to get them to go in the right direction. 
Um, you can skip these puzzles if you wish. I did the first one. I skipped the rest of them. Um, so, you know, you don't get penalised for it at all. They blow up so fast. Get a weapon to level 5. So, there you go. Just keep upgrading your weapon. To upgrade a weapon, just keep shooting. There's even a cup holder. Fully upgrade a weapon. Okay, so... Upgrading a weapon and getting a weapon to level 5 is different. Um, keep shooting to get your weapon to uh, level 5. And to upgrade, you need to spend rare retainium. Um, you do that in the weapon menu or the uh, shop menu where you buy your weapons from. I just upgraded the first one. Full rack, fill a weapon reel, wheel. Um, so the weapon wheel is where you choose your weapons uh, there are three of them in total so you hold down the L1 I believe it is and then you can flick through the weapon wheels um, I think each one holds eight weapons I believe fully stacked purchase all weapons so you need to restart the game again for this one um, and when you get to Mrs Zircon you will be able to purchase the final two weapons. They don't cost anything, um, but you do have to start the game again to pick those up. As in New Game Plus. Glitch uh, finds a way. Complete all glitch challenges. Much like the Ratchet, I beg your pardon, much like the Clank challenges, um, these are just little things that you need to do to unlock certain areas. Uh, you control a little robot spider thing called Glitch. Um, you do not have to do them. You can skip them if you wish. Um, again, I did the first one and skipped the rest of them. Shifty character. Hit every Blyzon crystal on Blyzar and Cordelian. Now, these things are big blue crystals that swap dimensions. Um, there are 30 in total between the two levels, but you only have to get 29. I know it says every Blyze on Crystal, but they patched it. Um, so you only need 29 of them. So if you just take your time going through those levels, you will find it. Or find them. Boing. Bounce on Big Al, Clank and Quark's Parade Balloons. So you bounce on the Parade Balloons um, when you first start the game. Because uh, there's a big parade thing going on. And the second lot of balloons are in the... Nefarious City in the rift area there. When you go in that rift area, you will find the other balloons that you can bounce on. They're, they're, they're easy to spot and easy to find. Max, relax. Find the Nefarious Citizens by the Hot Springs. So this is the fourth planet, I believe, guys. Um, I can't remember the name. Um, about in the middle of the area, there is a Mrs. Zircon. And near her... Uh, uh, Mrs. Zircon's your gun shop, by the way, if I didn't mention that. Uh, and near her are some robots in some hot springs. Just go up to them and you will get this trophy. Lombax and chill. Turn on the TV and rivets hide out. So, uh, basically, almost story related in a way. Uh, once you get to rivets hide out, then all you need to do is turn the TV on. Um, very simple, as all of these trophies seem to be. Alert the sponsors. Perform five trick jumps on a grind rail. So as you're grinding, just perform five trick jumps. 
Uh, icebreaker, melee five frozen enemies, or melee, what, however people say it. Um, you need the uh, ice weapon, so freeze the enemies and then go in and hit them while they're frozen. No need for multi-ball. Kill two enemies with a single ricochet round. Um, basically, no, you don't really need to try this, guys. Um, all you have to do is get into a big group of enemies, fire the ricochet gun, and then keep pressing the fire button, and it'll do the ricochet balls. Um, not sure how it works exactly, but that's basically it. Just keep firing into a group of enemies, and you'll get this one very simply. Uh, return policy. Kill 10 enemies by returning shots with the Void Reactor. Okay, this one can be a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, basically, you need to buy the gun called the Void Repulsor. Um, and get it to level 5. So I kept getting, I kept doing the first bronze um, battleplex thing. Um, you can come out of it and it'll start it again. So when you run out of bullets in this gun, just... Uh, quit starting it checkpoint again and then drop back down into the uh, into the challenge keep doing that till you get the void reactor gun then you hold block or I think it's block no l2 um, so if you hold l2 down you will be able to collect enemy bullets with this gun now it's the void reactor and then you have to fire them back towards it using r1 or r2 whichever one your fire button is um, you need to be careful, stay as far back from the enemy as possible because if you um, hit them with the shield part of the gun when you fire back, um, that will not count. So just get 10 enemies by doing that, collecting the bullets and then firing them back. Hole puncher, get 20 headshots with the headhunter. So this is your sniper rifle, so just aim at uh, 20 people. Life of the party. Deploy 50 Mr. Fun Guys. Um, these are mushroom-type bullet things. Um, so deploy 50 of them. All I did was I stood next to a shop, uh, kept buying them, and just firing three off at a time. And your trophy will pop. Extreme Gardening. Defeat 30 enemies while they are topiaried. So this is your topiary gun. When you fire it, it turns um, any enemy it hits into a plant. So make sure... Uh, just find a big group of enemies. Uh, I think it was fourth planet. There is um, a bush that sends out enemies. Uh, keeps spitting them out. And I just stayed around there and uh, used the gun on that area. So very simple, again, as all these trophies seem to be. A couple of little awkward ones, but, you know, not too bad. It's so fluffy. Find a Krager bear. There's one on every level. Um, not mega hidden, to be fair. Um, you know, I did use a guide for these because by the time I was uh, coming towards the end of the game, guys, I like I said, I admit I was I was a bit bored, um, and I just wanted to get it get it done. Unbearably awesome find all Krager bears so like I say one on each level there's nine in total uh, or maybe eight I'm not sure if the last level had one extinction event kill five grunthers these are big big dinosaur things they are on the second level 
Um, kill them. I think you'll get two or three in the first uh, time you visit the area. But if you manage to um, go back, or you should go back, you do get the option again once you can start going around um, and picking where you want to go. Uh, just go back, find the other two, and kill them. Um, this is the only missable trophy in the game, guys, so just to warn you of that one. You must go back to there and and uh, kill the extra ones. Just stay down. Defeat 30 ejected nefarious trooper heads. Um, these are the squid-like things in the red domes that are on top of robots or on top of ships. When you're fighting, um, some of them will jump off uh, when you kill the machine that they are on. So just kill 30 of those. Uh, must go faster. Do a trip jump while going at max speed with the hover boots. So the hover boots, if you go over a um, a ramp or anything like that, so hold down R1 once you've got them, you will start hovering. Go over a ramp um, and do a trip jump, or alternatively, while you're holding R1, 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 see, dead good English. Um, while you're holding that, if you press L2, um, you will pick up speed. So as soon as you're going fast, just do a trick jump or just a jump or whatever. And collect a spy bot. There are a few of these. Some levels have two, some levels have one. Um, they are earned through rifts um, or the, um, yeah, let's just call them rifts because I can't remember what they're called, guys. But the big blue purple wall. Um, some are earned by doing, um, um, do you know what guys, I've completely forgot, tasks. Some are earned by doing tasks. There is one task on the second level where you have to fly around a dinosaur type creature called Trudy, collecting um, these seed things that she eats. There's 60 in total. You need to do all of those on that level to get the spy bot. Um, I think that's the most annoying one, to be honest, guys. And aim to misbehave. Uh, acquire the rhino. You can only acquire the rhino once you have all 10 spy bots. And you give them to Mrs. Zircon. Feeding frenzy. Collect 10 zerp stones for Trudy. That's what they're called, guys, zerp stones. Um... For the trophy, you only need 10. Um, for the um, spy bot that you need, you need 60. Just bear that in mind. Because I didn't do it. Um, I didn't realise I needed it for a spy bot. Sweet, sweet victory. Collect honey for Chef Tulio. Um, this is just a little section. It's on the planet uh, where you get the Zerp Stones. Um, not the Zerp Stones, I'm so sorry guys, the Blyzon Crystals. Um, you need to find the area where she is. It is off to the right of, of the... There is a lift that you need to take. Um, I'm trying not to ruin it too much, guys. There's a lift that you need to take, but if you take the right path instead of taking the lift... You will find Chef Tulio. She's got a little uh, quest for you um, where you have to collect the honey for her. And might have broken something. Collect three lobs. These are, again, on the second 
oh, on the fourth planet, I, I believe. Um, they're little circle things. You have to unlock them via fighting enemies, getting rid of the enemies in the area, or doing a little speed boost thing where you have to go over switches, things like that. Um, you only need to collect three of them, and once you do, you give them to the sage, um, and you will get this trophy. Luckily, you don't have to collect them all to get anything else, unlike the Zerp stones. So, that was a very long one, guys. I do apologise, and I do apologise for my voice, because I know I sound a bit rough. Um, but I haven't done one for a while. Um, things have been coming up. Covid uh, spread like wildfire through this house. Um, you know, so we were all ill, and uh, things like that have been coming up just lately, so I've not had a chance to do this. So, that is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. It is worth playing. I'm not going to say it's not worth playing. I personally got a little bit bored. But uh, that's just me. Overall though, give it a go guys. Um, if you like the other Ratchet & Clanks, then there you go. It's, it's the easiest Ratchet & Clank Platinum. It's the quickest Ratchet & Clank Platinum. Um, personally, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but, you know... It didn't seem as in-depth as usual, so maybe that's why I got a bit bored. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that is it for me for this week. Uh, again, sorry about the long one, but uh, there you go. Keep getting those trophies, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, and we're back. All right, so let's get into our topics of the week. Uh, let's do uh, Yield's favorite topic every year. Uh Game Awards winners, and this time we have the Dice Awards. Uh, I'm going to try to go through this as quick as possible. Obviously, I'm going to leave out some top, uh, some categories just because, uh, you know, they may not interest us. Uh, outstanding Achievement in Game Direction. Your nominees were Deathloop, Inscription, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, and The Offer Escape. And Deathloop was your winner. Outstanding Achievement in Game Design. The uh, nominees were Deathloop, Inscription, It Takes Two, Loop Hero, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Your winner was It Takes Two. Online Game of the Year. Uh, your nominees were Back for Blood, Call of Duty Vanguard, Final Fantasy XIV, and Walker, Halo Infinite, and Knockout City, and Halo Infinite 1. Uh, we're going to skip over Mobile Game of the Year. Uh, outstanding Achievement for an Independent Game. Your nominees were Death's Door, Inscription, Loop Hero, Sable, and Unpacking. And your winner was Unpacking. Oh, I wonder why Kenya Bridger Spirits wasn't there. Weren't, weren't they independent? Uh, yeah, I believe I Ember Lab would be an independent studio. They just had, a, I guess, a contract with Sony to for Sony to publish that game. Uh, we're going to skip over Immersive Reality Game of the Year, Immersive te Technical Achievement, and Strategy Simulation Game of the Year. Uh, sports Game of the Year. Uh, your nominees were FIFA 22, Mario Golf Super Rush, NBA 2K22, Riders Republic, and The Climb 2. And Mario Golf got the Sports Game of the Year. Wow. It must be really good then. Uh, Role-Playing Game of the Year. Final Fantasy XIV, Endwalker, Pathfinder, Wrath of Righteousness, Shin Megami Tensei V, Tales of Arise, and Wild Wilder Myth, and your winner was Final Fantasy. 
Racing Game of the Year, only three nominees, was FIFA 2021, Forza Horizon 5, and Hot Wheels Unleashed. Surprise, surprise. Is that F1? It wouldn't be FIFA, would it? I was going to say, FIFA. I didn't know soccer did racing. I apologize. I did say FIFA. I meant F1. I apologize. And surprise, surprise, your winner was Forza Horizon 5. Color me shot. Fighting Game of the Year, uh, we're going to skip over. Uh, Family Game of the Year. Uh, your nominees were Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Cozy Grove, Mario Party Superstars, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Warrior Wear Get It Together. And your no- your winner was Ratchet and Clank. I mean, I don't know why Animal Crossing's in there because it came out in 2020. Oh, I mean, really? it came out with uh, the DLC in 2021, but uh... well, it, it it did say Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Happy Home Paradise. Is that the DLC? That is the DLC. Yes. Okay, so that's why it was in there. Hell yeah, uh, Link. Uh, Adventure Game of the Year. Your nominees were Death's Door, It Takes Two, Guardians of the Galaxy, Psychonauts 2, and Resident Evil Village. And your winner was Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, you have said that it is that it is a good story. It is a very good story. <coughs> Apparently didn't meet sales expectations, at least initially, for Square Enix. Well, thank you for ruining our next topic of the week. Uh... <laughs> Your nominees for Action Game of the Year, Deathloop, Halo Infinite, Metroid Dread, Returnal, and The Ascent, and your winner was Halo Infinite. Uh, We're going to skip over. uh, You know what? We'll do it. Outstanding Technical Achievement, your nominees were Battlefield 2042, Forza Horizon 5, Mon Cage, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Returnal, and your winner was Rift Apart. Yeah. Take that, Xbox. Outstanding Achievement in Story. Uh, your nominees were Before Your Eyes, Inscription, Guardians of the Galaxy, Psychonauts 2, and The Forgotten City. And your winner was Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, wow, now I'm going to start going for Psychonauts 2 to get an award because they're I, the ones going to shut out now instead of Ratchet and Clank and Insomniac. I hear that Forgotten City is actually pretty good. Outstanding achievement in audio design. Your nominees were Forza, Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, and Returnal. And your winner was Returnal. Yeah, give it to him, House Mark. Outstanding achievement. Oh, we're gonna skip over that. Out. Uh, okay, we're just, I'm just trying to. Okay, now you gave me the year. I'm gonna have you guys pick. Uh, just to see if you guys can figure out what it is. Your game of the year. Your nominees were Death Loop, Inscription, It Takes Two, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Returnal. So, Gareth, what do you think? Won? So hold on, we need to stress that this is not like gaming community like. The players. This no, is, no. This, this is, is publishers and developers voting on this. Right. This is the publishers and developers picking their winners. So, Gareth, what do you think won? Um, I haven't played any of them um, yet. Um, so I'm going to go with what did win game of the year, which was it takes two. All right, Alex. What do you think won? I will also say it takes two because I feel like that game has just had a ground with swell of support, but also. You know, it, it just seems like it's a very, very well-made game, and that the industry professionals would appreciate it. You know, maybe a little more than just another Russian Clank game, and I, I hate to say it that way because it's not just another Russian Clank game; it's a really good game. But I feel like there's there would be more of a swell support for, you know, that type of game, a small game might be made by an indie studio than, you know, a long-running game series. Even though Ratchet and Clank had the most nominations of all games, so before all I talk right, myself out of changing my my vote, I, I definitely I, it takes two. All right, Yield, what do you think one? It takes two. And you all are correct. It Takes Two did win Game of the Year. 
Deserve, deservedly uh, so. As much as I love Ratchet and Clank, I, I, it's nice to see a smaller game get in there with the heavyweights and be able to throw some knockout punches. All right. Uh, now, if you guys did not watch the Dice Awards, I uh, recommend you go and watch the open monologue because Greg Miller and Jessica Chobot definitely went after everybody in the industry, including um, they said on stage, because I don't know if you guys know this because we never reported it on the show, uh, it takes two is actually being sued. Do you guys want to take a guess of who's suing them? Yeah, they, I saw that they were being sued by Take Two Interactive. Yes, they're being sued because their game infringes on the trademark of their studio. Wait, the song "It Takes Two, Like there was an oldie, a golden oldie, where those exact that exact verbiage is used. Are they going to sue? Like, why? Why can't? Why can't? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, but they definitely called him out saying that uh, Take-Two are a bunch of assholes for suing uh, for this game. So, oh, yeah, they are a bunch I, of I, assholes. You have Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead. Leave people alone. And that's basically what they said. They said, you got you got Grand Theft Auto. Go the fuck away. All right, so those are your winners. Uh, as yield overall, uh, what do you guys think of the winners and losers? Well, considering I haven't played any of the games, it sounds fine. <laughs> uh, Gareth, you said the same thing. You haven't really played any of the winners yet. Yeah, I can, I can give you a, a, an opinion on the games. All right. Uh, Alex, what do you think about the winners and losers? It seems like it was is well-deserved. Nothing completely out of left field. Nice to see Ratchet and Clank win some awards, take home two of them, and Returnal win one because those are both games that I've played, and I enjoyed them very much. I actually Rift Apart won uh, Outstanding Achievement in Animation, and it won art, Outstanding Achievement in Art Direction, and uh, Resident Evil Village won achievement, Outstanding Achievement in Character, and Return also won for Original Achievement in Original Music Composition. So, there, I, I skipped over a bunch of them. So, wait, did, uh, did, wait, did Ratchet win three? R- Ratchet won... I think four total and Returnal one four as well. I mean, it's easy. It's easy to kind of at this point, maybe, you know, throw Ratchet and Clank in there and overlook, you know, the, how good they are because it's such a long running series. And, and I'm sure that some people kind of, you know, are like, oh, OK, they're coming out with another Ratchet and Clank. But I also think people forget how good of a development studio Insomniac is. And, you know, we get lost in all the, oh, Activision going to Microsoft and anyone can say shit, but. Give me Insomniac over any studio that Activision owns, like, and they will wipe the floor with them. All right. So you have tacked on to both of the topics of the week. Uh, We had three topics of the week. We're going to skip one. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what it was uh, because Alex already alluded to it, that uh, Square Enix is saying that Guardians of of the Galaxy initially underperformed uh, so again, their sales expectations are gone, but we're going to get into that uh, probably next week because just in the interest of time. Wow. And you c- Another Square Enix game that they are disappointed in their sales. It's yes. not like we have a history of this or anything. Um, okay, so the other, th- the other topic of the week that we're going to go into, and one of the reasons why we asked Gareth to be on the show, because uh, I don't want to say Gareth was critical of my my sayings over oh, these acquisitions oh, homie, and whatnot. He called you out and said, Tricky, let me come up on this show. Gareth is very polite, so Gareth didn't actually say this. Let me come up on the show and open a can of whoop-ass on your host and ass because I got the knowledge 
and you're just speaking bullshit. That's that's what I read it as. That's in my mind how it went down. All right. So, <laughs> oh, Gareth, you're about to say something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's it, I think I was I was driving. I, I tend to listen to the podcast when I'm when I'm driving. You see, so I was uh, I was listening to it at the time, coming back on a, a quite a stressful a stressful drive, and uh, I was um, I will go into it in a minute. But it was yeah, no, it's just on. I'm hearing a lot of things from different podcasts, and uh, you know, so I think the messages are a little bit sort of um, different. They're different. Um, I don't think it's. I think some people are overlooking some really sort of basic uh, fundamental aspects of business really when it comes to the acquisitions and it was uh, so you know I was going to touch on that as I said it's it's all theory it's nothing factual it's only sort of me thinking well you know in my head this sounds all right but it's you know I'll probably look I'll probably listen back to this and it'll be total nonsense to be honest but uh, we'll see. All right, so let's get, actually get into the article. Uh, surprise, surprise, I have an article that's not from IGN. Uh, this one is coming from the HollywoodReporter.com and is written by Winston Cho. Uh, now, I, I will say I didn't read this article ahead of time because I didn't have time, but the headline reads, Activision shareholders sue to block the $69 billion sale to Microsoft. Uh, the article goes on to say, Activision shareholders are suing to block the video game company's proposed sale to Microsoft, alleging the deal will primarily benefit Activision insiders to the detriment of ordinary investors. According to a pair of lawsuits filed on Thursday in California and New York Federal Court, Activision's disclosures to the Securities and Exchange Commission detailing the tra- the transaction raises questions of whether the company's board of directors have a conflict of interest in securing approval for the deal. It also claims that the filing called a preliminary proxy statement lacks crucial information to evaluate the sale. Quote, the process deployed by the individual defendants was flawed and inadequate and was conducted out of self-interest of the individual defendants and was designed with only one concern in mind, to effectuate a sale of the company by any means possible. And, uh, and that's an end quote. An Activision Blizzard spokesperson said in a statement that, quote, we disagree with the allegations made in this complaint and look forward to presenting our arguments to the court, end quote. Shareholder lawsuits challenging proposal acquisitions and mergers are par for the course, but the lawsuits compound antitrust scrutiny of all the of the all cash transaction that would further entrench Microsoft as a gaming powerhouse. The acquisition, if approved, would significantly boost Microsoft's bid to become the leader in cloud-based gaming services, as by boosting its offerings on blockbuster video games, including Call of Duty, World, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Candy Crush. The deal was also proposed as Activision's fight claims as enabling a, quote, frat house, end quote, culture in which sexual harassment and discrimination is encouraged. Investigations by state and federal regulators spurred Activision Chief Executive Bobby Kotick to consider Microsoft's bid to buy the company, reported by the Wall Street Journal last month. Activision has denied the claim. All right, so it go it goes on. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it, uh, but let's one let's talk about these lawsuits and uh, their bid to block the sale. So, yield. I'm going to start with you. 
uh, because I know that you've also been vo- very vocal in studios buying up, uh, excuse me, developers buying up studios and whatnot. So, uh, do you want to see this blocked? Are you okay with it going through, or just you just done with it in general? I'm kind of done with it in general. I mean, if I mean if they got a legal leg to stand on, then good for them. You know, you know. I mean. Yeah, if you got a legal leg to stand on, good for them. Take them to court, fight your battle. If you're just doing it just to do it, don't waste everybody's time. And a, right. lot, and a lot of times it feels like stuff like that happens, just, you know, they, they don't really have a leg to stand on, and they're just, I don't know, dragging it out. So I think right. before we move on, we need to read, because Homer posted about this on the Facebook group and there was a comment from edwin that said classic shareholder move and it usually happens with most large acquisitions they just want more money out of the deal they actually could give two shits about the acquisition itself just a pure cash grab and even the dumbest of course will see that this won't stop it so it seems like edwin had more to share than you know everybody else because you know a lot of other people and you know not dissing contributions but you know most people had like a sentence to say or not but it seems like edwin expounded upon it a little bit so I don't know Edwin's, you know, expertise or experience, but certainly had something something more to say on that. So that you know, you do take that into consideration. That this is kind of like a not really a kind of like, you know, waiting in the shallow in the pool. It's not like there may not be a lot of depth or like, oh hey, you know, we're being treated unfairly. It may just kind of be a very shallow move. Gareth, let's go to you. Uh what do you think about the shareholders filed a lawsuit to block the sale? And also, you know, please expand about how you feel about these acquisitions in general. Um, yeah, like Homer's um, alluded to already, I, I, this feels like it's a, um, a, a cash grab. It's he's looking to uh, exploit more money from the from the, the deal. Um, looking at his, the reasons he cited for for suing, which is to do with the uh, amount of money that directors will be making, the, the golden parachute in, protect, in particular to sort of Bobby Kodak. Um, so I think which, it's... Which, hold on, Gareth, I do want to add to that because um, there's an ex- exact number that I shared with the group that uh, per GameSpot, uh, Activision's Bobby Kodak could receive $15 million in the Microsoft deal. So... Sorry, sorry so, to jump in on there. I just no, wanted to add the actual number yeah. in there. No, so which is a lot, a lot of money. And I guess with what's gone on, especially with Bobby Kodak and and uh, the allegations and whatnot, um, is it, you know he's looking at a, a way to um, uh, extract more money from from the deal. As I said, I don't think it's going to stop it. They may end up settling it. They may end up getting more money out of it anyway. So. It certainly won't stop this. It won't stop the sale. I can't see that happening at all. Um, and, oh, sorry. sorry. And I was no, going to no, say, and you're, you know, because you specifically wanted to come on here to, you know, talk to Tricky about, like you said, the things that you had thought about these acquisitions and stuff. Kind of so, so with the, these, you know, this acquisition age we're in, Sony said that they were planning more acquisitions, you know, soon. It's been a couple of weeks now since they announced they were buying Bungie. So we haven't seen it yet, but we do expect Sony and probably Microsoft as well to acquire more publishers, more studios. Nintendo made a purchase uh, recently that was not, you know, particularly headline grabbing, but they are, you know, they are also spending money as well. So kind of what are your thoughts on all this since, yeah. you know, we don't normally have you on the show? 
yeah, so obviously listening to various different podcasts, you know, I've heard a lot of different people um, on these podcasts, they talk about uh, wish listers, who who they would like to see them, who would you like to see Sony buy, who would you like to see Microsoft buy, and and, and for me it's, that's not, um, I'm not, it's not a move I particularly want to see, I'm more than happy with the publishers and developers being multi-platform and giving access to the games across the board to everybody. Uh, I, I do understand as to why why these companies um, want to do it. And whilst we've had exclusives, you know, such as well, the, the whole long list of uh, from Sony, you know, from Uncharted, Last of Us, you know, to the more prominent recent ones and dating far back than that, but that tends to be has been developed within Sony. Do you know what I mean? It's not a bit, you know, they might have acquired smaller studios to, and then brought them in in time to work on larger stuff and and, and developed them. Whereas the Bethesda, Bethesda one was the was the one to obviously that was the real kicker because you're taking franchises that um, are enjoyed by gamers on on all platforms um, and they're and then taking them potentially, we, we don't know for a fact yet, about what the exclusivity on all of the games. We've heard about some of them. And then obviously now with the um, the more recent ac- ac- acquisition um, on Microsoft's part, and now obviously with, with Sony's uh, buying Bungie, um, we seem to be getting to a point where now that they've, they've you know, both companies are going to sort of purchase more. And it's, I think we've, we can safely say, I'm assuming we can all acknowledge that Microsoft have changed their strategy and direction regarding consoles, future, moving forward. Would you would you agree with that in terms of console sales is probably not their um, main where they want it, where they see themselves moving moving oh, to absolutely. the future? Yeah, I I, I don't I. Sorry, Rangers game is about to start. Alex is telling me. Um, I firmly believe that Microsoft, when they announced that they're... Thank you, Alexa. Had to tell me twice, apparently. Uh, yeah, I, I firmly believe that Microsoft is moving away from consoles. When, when they announced that they were going to be putting their games day and date on the PC as well, uh, I, I firmly believe that they're going to stop consoles. I think we're going to see maybe one more console out of Microsoft, and then that's it. Yeah, it, I think at large, large it would depend on. I mean, it, we take it. So, my, my job, for example, so my day to day job is I, I work as a uh, I'm a sales manager for a for a print company. So we, I see clients. I do I sell print solutions. I sell the hardware. So. We started off sort of selling uh, sort of photocopiers, so that's kind of like the bread and butter of what we, what we do. So, so if I imagine, I don't know, I came to see any any one of you, um, you know, because you had a business trophy or had taken off now, and it's now a limited company, it's a business that they're producing, and and you wanted a photocopier, and I came to you, and I said, what do you want from this photocopier? So what sort of thing? So from from your I don't know if you know what your knowledge of photocopies are, but what what sort of thing questions would you ask me? What do you want from that photocopier? I just wanted to make copies. Okay, so you want to make copies. So 
So what other things would you want it to be able to do? Or would you want from uh, that photocopier? Be able to scan and fax something or scan or, okay. or email something. Yeah, so all those features. Um, you'd probably want it to decide whether you want it in color or, black, or just a black and white one. You'd probably want to Correct. know whether it's A3, whether it can do A4. And you'd probably then look to see whether it's what the speed of that machine is, right? And that's generally Correct. the questions that, my sales team will ask and it's it's not necessarily the way that i want them to ask it it so because the people that they're speaking to generally in their initial stages of meetings are going to be the, is the the end user it might be the office manager it might be an administrator someone's been tasked with gathering that information so the reason they're asking those questions is to do with because that's what affects them that's what affects the day-to-day -day running of that in that office whereas so when we think of that's the end user. So end users now is the, the when we talk about in Game Pass is the consumers, it's the people that use Game Pass as the gamers. But if you've got the MD sat in the office who's maybe works three, four days a week, is here, there and everywhere, he isn't really going to be concerned about where, how fast that machine is or, or sort of how, how efficient or, or what it can produce. The questions that he's going to be wanting to know is, or that I'm, and this is where I will go in and try to educate my staff is, is to try to uncover the pain and uncover area, other areas where you can sort of sell. So the, so the actual photocopier just becomes a means to an end. So if I could turn around to a, so if I was speaking to a manager, they might ask me, how much does that cost me? How much is that? How much per quarter is that machine going to cost me? But if I flip that round to an MD and say to him, I can guarantee that I'm going to increase your um, annual revenue by X amount. The cost of the photocopy becomes irrelevant. It's just a means to an end. If I'm already can justify that, I can save it. And that's and that's just the basic rules of business because all businesses are looking to to make money. And in order to make money, there's there's three reasons. There's three things that all companies and it doesn't matter what it is will look to achieve. And that will be to reduce costs to either increase efficiency or increase productivity. And what we're seeing probably from from Microsoft is obviously looking to in increase productivity, um, certainly not reducing costs because obviously they're acquiring these these massive uh, massive companies. So ultimately, what they're trying to do as as a company is to is to make money, and that's that's the bottom line of it. So where and so when you start looking at it in that terms is where can they make the most money? So I think on the last show you talked about. Or I've heard from others is about what's going to be exclusive and, and not exclusive. It doesn't make, in my mind, it doesn't make any sense to to bring um, Call of Duty exclusive to to Xbox when the largest player base is on the play. I think it's was it sixty two percent or something like that is on plays on the PlayStation. I mean, because yes. what because what's the scope? We've already established that. They're trying to head out of the export out of the console market at some stage, so they're not obviously trying. Not obviously trying to. It doesn't matter to them whether they're going to get it across to the to, to get people to play on the console, which is why they're entering the market. People talk about well, we'll never see a Game Pass on on PlayStation, but I I think we will at some point in some form, because if we're saying that they're moving out of the console market, they're then and you're saying they're going to be looking at Game Pass, which is obviously in the subscription, their competition then is the likes of EA Play and the Ubi, Ubisoft version and Spartacus, which is what it will be. Um, 
so if he, if PlayStation are allowing EA Play and whatever it else is, there's no reason to suggest that if there is no Xbox console, whether that's one generation or two generations down the line, that there wouldn't be an offering that would go down on on you know be available on the PlayStation. So whilst the the acquisition of these companies from Xbox perspective is is making them more viable to a more desirable to to and almost become a um, a no option for Sony, but to put it on there their console, their subscription service. And, it, and I, it won't be in its form that it's in today. It might be just be with their exclusives or something like that. So the more exclusives that they can get or what, or companies they own, I wouldn't say necessarily exclusives uh, because they, they are still going to allow for it. Um, you know, you've got to, uh, I think the, the only reason they've probably launched a console is this generation is that they've had to launch a console. console. There's no, there wasn't enough Game Pass subscriptions or places to put it if there was, I don't think they would have launched a console. They would have had it on PC, phone, PlayStation, wherever they could have put it. But obviously, you know, we're not that far down the line yet. But but, like you said, in whether it's next, whether there's one more console to come out of it, or or two, or or none. You know, at some point down the line, that's that's where it's going to be in my in my mind. So, um, I don't know how you, whether you guys agree with with that or think it's or think differently to it. All right, well, Yield, let's start with you. What do you think about everything Garrett just said? Well, that was a lot to take in. Um, I I would agree that there probably won't be – that there's either one more set of consoles or they're going all digital because that's where Microsoft's going. We could see that with their moves last year that they were kind of trying to set themselves up more of a streaming digital service. And Sony is showing that they're – following Microsoft in some of their business plans instead of just being themselves. All right. Alex? The thing I'll I'll key on is, you know, Gareth talked about how it doesn't make any sense to have Call of Duty exclusive to just Xbox because, you know, there are more PlayStations out in the wild, and that's, you know, the majority... Like, when you're comparing Microsoft and Sony the majority of the playing populace is playing on a PlayStation. So uh, I do think that if they made a Call of Duty exclusive, you would probably get, you could change those numbers. You could shift them to a majority Xbox. I I mean, who knows? Maybe that big announcement and how many people just play Call of Duty would be able to shift the weight all over to Microsoft. I think that Gareth is right, though, because I think that what we're seeing, and everybody's worried about, you know, these companies buying up game studios and just making everything exclusive. I don't think we're at that point anymore. And we've mentioned on the show is that I think that they're going to keep things, you know, multi-platform for the most part, but they're going to find ways to sweeten the deal for customers who buy a PlayStation or people who buy Microsoft. Sony's going to come out with more PlayStations in the future than Microsoft will Xboxes. I think everyone foresees that. But I don't think that these companies buying up game studios means that all those games are going to be exclusive. I think that we're too far beyond that, and we're getting too far into antitrust territory where they're going to have to keep things multi-platform. They just have to get creative about how they're going to offer things and not just like, you know, you can still offer this stuff on other consoles, but you have your own streaming service in like PlayStation Now or PlayStation Plus and then also in Game Pass where you can sweeten the deal there and you can make a better deal for, for consumers there. So I think it's about... You know, not keeping games necessarily off of other consoles besides, you know, of your own IP, you know, the the Sucker Punch and the Insomniac and all that stuff. 
But I think when they're buying these multi traditionally multi-platform studios and publishers, it's going to be about, we'll offer this to you on another console because we're still making money, but you can get the best deal here and play on our console. So, And you know, and in the interim, maybe part of it is Sony saying, okay, well, we're going to buy something to keep it off of Game Pass. There may be an element of that, but they obviously can't do that with everything. So that might be a very, very small part of it. So, uh, Gareth, Gareth, does that kind of jibe with what you, uh, what you, what yeah. you were thinking? <clears throat> no, it is. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree with that. It's um, certainly in the short term, it's the fact that, you know, now Microsoft own Activision and whether that player base switches or not, the, the, that when that when that takeover happens, um, Microsoft will be, will be making a wedge off Sony PlayStation players. You know, from if they were to continue playing on there, if they were going to continue buying the game, buying the maps, buying the DLCs, um, obviously they'll have the opportunity to go onto Xbox and and get it on on Game Pass. But not everyone would want to switch to switch to get to to an Xbox or, or to Microsoft. It's so they've kind of got the best of both worlds, really. Whether depending on what the split would be. Um, you know, well, what's, what's that old saying? You you draw I can't you draw more people in with honey than with vinegar. Like, if you are a big studio and all of a sudden this game that's been multi-platform, and you are like, okay, well we're going to be the dragon that's guarding the, the treasure, and we're going to close it off, and you can only play it if you buy this. Yeah, there's a chance you're going to piss off a lot of people, and people might just out of you know, um, just on principle say, you know what, fuck you, we're not going to play this anymore, we're not going to do this. Um, we're going to go do something else or continue playing on this console. And, you know, you you don't really warm yourself up to people or you don't really kind of bring people over to your side or get, convince people to, to buy into your system if you're pissing people off. So, you know, again, maybe the best thing for Microsoft to do is we're going to keep all this multi-platform just to keep people happy. I mean, we're still going to make money off it. We're still going to make a lot of money off it, but we don't want to piss so many people off that nobody wants to play on our, you know, within our playground. Yeah, exactly, and and also the money that they make is obviously is less money that Sony make from it as well, isn't it? Do you know what I mean if if because the, the split is going to be higher in in favor of uh, on the, on those particular games anyway? But um, so you're kind of affecting it, but both ends, you know. I mean, it, it would take a lot of money to <laughs> to pay back that seventy was it seventy six billion or whatever it is. But um, yeah, but it's. Um, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's um, it, I, I, I just think it, the subscription model is the way it's going. There's no denying that. Um, whether that's for for good or not, it's, and, it's, it's down to personal preference, isn't it? It's and and let's be I mean, honest. You know, maybe if you're on the other on the other side of you know, you play on PlayStation and you look at Game Pass, and you're kind of like, oh, grumble, grumble, Game Pass. You know. Microsoft introducing Game Pass might have forced Sony to do stuff, you know, with Gaikai with their own cloud service. It may have forced them to improve it in order to be competitive in the eyes of, you know, the gaming community. I'm not saying they're competitive with Game Pass yet, but it may push them to do something more innovative, you know, which we always talk about competition is good. So whether you like Game Pass or not, it might actually improve Sony's offerings to the people who support their consoles. I think it has to. It has to improve it. It's it's not. I mean, Sony's at a point now where, if it's not careful, it's going to be it's going to be falling behind Microsoft. And you know, Microsoft are coming out with some you know really innovative um, ideas and uh, and strategies. And and at the moment, it seems Sony are a little bit 
reactive uh, rather than proactive. Um, and it'd be nice for them to, you know, take a leap and, and come up with something a little bit different um, to, you know, to re- regain sort of the the confidence of the, uh, you know, of the, of the loyal players, you know, to stop them. I mean, it, from a personal perspective, it, for, for me, I wouldn't jump ship for a game. Do you know I mean, if, if a game doesn't isn't available on PlayStation, then I, I, don't, I don't play it. And that's my attitude to it, whether that's, you know, there's no game really that I'm that invested in where it would make me change my entire console. Um, to, to, but I, I get that there are people out there, you know, the, the sort of the more casual gamers who who only play the likes of Call of Duty, FIFA, Madden, whatever, you know. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's not for not not for me. Um, but yeah. And I just want to point out when I said last week that uh, I, I made the comment of. I don't see the point of spending as much money as they are to just, you know, not keep their games exclusive because I guess the best uh, analogy I could make is you wouldn't go out and spend 50, 60, 70 grand on a brand new truck or a car and then just open it up to the neighborhood. Like, you, you know, you want it for yourself. You want to, you know, enjoy it, whatnot. I understand that's probably a very bad analogy, but it, the the point I'm just trying to make is that, like, if you're gonna spend seventy billion dollars acquiring a company, and you don't make their games exclusive, then why did you spend that seventy billion dollars when you know that these games will still come to your console, you'll still make money off of it, but it's also gonna go to PlayStation as well. That's, that's the point I was just trying to make. The, the, the problem I, with your analogy, and I'll point it out now, is you're spending all the money on a car or a truck that devalues every time it's used or over a length of time. We're talking about you know game properties that don't devalue over time. You you don't think these game series devalue? Look at Ratchet and Clank; it's been going strong for all these years, and 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 over time, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart will sell just as well as all the others. I mean, we're talking about physical deterioration over time. I, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I, and like I said, it was probably a bad analogy. I just, the point I'm just trying to make is I, I don't see the point of spending a huge amount of money and then not try to reap all the benefits from it. All right, well, look, look at it this way. Say, like, Sony and Bungie. So Sony still is making all the money that they do off their own studios, but now... They have a bargaining chip when it with players when it comes to their streaming service that they can make they can highlight on their streaming service and say hey if you go to extra tiers in whatever we're planning for Spartacus maybe you get access free access to Destiny or to future Destiny DLCs. Hold on, I'm, I'm looking up uh, looking up something right now. <laughs> Keep but, going for a second. But remember, you're also acquiring the talent as well. You're not just acquiring and acquiring the franchises, are you? You're acquiring the talent that that has created those, um, and you're making a higher percentage of money than what you would normally do if they were multi-platform. So, I think, like I said, it, it, we're not trying to go for the um, the exclusives for the console, but it is for the. Um, it, it's all gearing up towards the, the what what the, can they offer. That's going to give the cons- the consumer the best possible uh, o- option when it comes to 
subscription in this in this case game pass you know it's got to make game pass as desirable wherever they play it they've got to make it as desirable as possible to that player and it's weird to think of it this way but you see if you uh agree with me on this gareth but we you know used to when you bought an n64 you had a platform you had the n64 and it would play games on it now it's almost like you have a platform within a platform you have the box itself the xbox or the playstation and then on it you have the services like playstation plus and game pass so you almost have a content delivery platform within a con- within a, a platform yeah exactly i mean we're in we're in uncharted uncharted territory as well at the moment bear in mind because we're in this digital age now between oh, yes it was slight crossover from ps3 to ps4 but this ps4 to ps5 now i mean all of us own a ps5 but i'd pro- probably well certainly for i can from my own personal experiences that I'm still playing majority PS4 games um, because there's, there, there, there's access to it as freely as there was, you know, as there is PS5. You know, it's the same storefront that I can buy PS4 from PS5. I can even buy the same version and play a PS4 or PS5 version. You know, it's it's a fairly, um, I don't know what the word is, no, you, you know, it's a fluid um, um or ubiquitous, I think that's the word, isn't it? Ubiquitous, where you, you know, time. I can't think of the word, but by by buying it on the PS4 or being on buying the PS5, you don't have to sort of switch on another console to go and buy it, like you would on do on the PS3. You know, it, it's so free flowing that it's all linked into one now. It doesn't matter that, and the, it's negligible now between the differences between a, a you know, yes, PS4, PS5 is 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 better in the majority of cases but um we're a real sort of change i think it's a real change this is the next sort of five years is going to be see some serious changes in the sort of the gaming industry and and the way it's done and um and what we what we see from the players and what we see from the publisher and developers doing Gareth, I think the word you're looking for is ubiquitous. You mean like seemingly everywhere? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's. I mean, it's. It's kind of. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. So I'm not going to go into. It, but yeah, maybe I've got the word wrong. I meant it was seamless. You know, I mean, free flowing. It was. You know, you don't have to go into a separate uh, storefront to go and buy a PS4 game instead of PS5. You know, you used to have to for the PS3 to PS4, but it's. But for this, you don't. So it's whether you play on the PS4 or PS5. Uh, if you want a PS4 game, you buy it anywhere, really, or in most cases, anyway. So, um. I, I just, I just did a little math, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little nerdy on you guys for a second. Wait, just wait what? The, You're not usually nerdy. Uh, looking at how much Sony paid for Bungie, which was 3.6 billion dollars, uh, I just looked up Destiny because uh, Destiny Two is, you know, the only game that. Uh, Bungie's making right now uh, at, at 3.6 billion dollars and looking at their monthly uh, active game players which varies over the months but this last 30 days which I'm going to go with just because it's a high peak they had 290,000 people playing the game at once so if, if you look at that they need to make $12,000 off of every player just to make back that money and now, at the proposed price of sixteen dollars, which is the highest tier, that's seven hundred and seventy-five dollars. 
which means that over the course of the month, they or over the course of the year, they're going to have to make sixty four dollars off of every player, which, I mean, doesn't sound too bad. But you look at the fact that not everybody's going to pay this subscription, not everybody's going to do this, and also the two hundred ninety thousand. That's people on every ecosystem: the PC, the PlayStation, whatnot. If they decide to make Destiny free to play, you're losing off a big chunk of the money, and it's going to take you years, if not decades, to recoup that money. I, I think you're looking at it wrong, Tricky. Where you're yeah. you're looking for them to. It's like, okay, well, I paid this much for Destiny and for Bungie, and you know all the tools that they, the tech that they have, and the the people that work there. And you're, you're expecting just that one thing to make back all that money. Whereas this could be a thing like th- these are assets for us. And this is going to, you know, we may not make up our money on this, you know, purchase, but it will help make us money elsewhere overall. I mean, look at Microsoft. Look how much money Microsoft spent for Activision. Do you really think all that money is coming from their games division? No, it's because Microsoft is a massive company that makes a ton of money. And I, I mean, I've seen people throw around like what three trillion or something like that. That's not the value of the games division because the games division is much smaller than that. So they're using no, but- money from other places in the company to help, you know, fund the game division. So Sony is a much larger company, and you know, I'm sure they have a an idea of what they would be willing to spend a budget, you know, for the games arm of the of the entire company. But you know, just because they spend that money doesn't mean they're looking to make all that money back up on a one-to-one purchase through Destiny. You've also got to think well, they talked about Sony Pictures and doing movies, doing TV shows, all that kind of stuff, multimedia stuff. So you're looking at it as Destiny has to make all this money back, and it doesn't. Okay, well, let, let me give you an argument here. Let's say you own a business, okay? You own a franchise of 7-Eleven, Okay. And your franchise is making you $10,000 a month profit. You said, okay, you know what? I'm making $10,000 a month profit. Let me double down. Let me open up a second 7-Eleven. But the second 7-Eleven that you open up is losing you two grand a month. What do you do as a businessman? What do you do at that point? Do you take money from the successful store and put it into the <coughs> store that's struggling? Or do you close the second store and just stay with your ten thousand dollar profit every month? Tricky. You, That's I just, mean, you you would not keep open a store that is is basically losing you money. But also, d- this is not losing them. Yes, they had the initial upfront cost that they're hoping to make money off of in the future, not just through the game, but also through multimedia opportunities and merchandising stuff like that. But also, like, it's not like Sony had zero dollars and then they have a line of credit that they're you know spending three point six billion on Bungie. They had the money available and they chose to use it. So I, yes, there I is the initial that, cost, but... but you know, operating through um, Bungie and, and operating the service they provide through Destiny isn't necessarily losing Sony any more money. No, but you you made the argument that Sony has other areas of business. You know, Sony Pictures, Sony, you know, uh, computers, whatever tech, uh, the TVs. It's not good business to take money from one division to fund another division. And that's why I'm saying if my argument, solely my argument, and I could be 100% wrong, but my argument is if you're going to invest in something, that something should be self-sustainable and be able to make you a profit and not have to take money from other divisions to make that purchase 
viable. Do Do you honestly that, think that Microsoft, without with the Microsoft Game Studios, with you know what they make in a year, do you think they honestly could fund purchases like Activision without pulling from the the larger Microsoft treasure trove? No, but that but you're talking about a purchase. I'm talking about after the purchase. If that going back to my thing at the Seven Eleven, if that second Seven Eleven is not able to sustain itself without outside help, then you need to close that store. And in in this thing, if the if Microsoft's purchase of Activision or Sony's purchase of Bungie, if those two purchases are not self-sustaining then you made a bad purchase. It depends about how you look at it from a strategic point of view. Because if you think Sony has um, their sort of studios tend to be in it for the long haul, you know, they're, they're, they're long term. When you look at the how Naughty Dog have, have developed or evolved over the years, you look at um, uh, who's the, I'm trying to think of the name of the company, one of their other studios. Um, Insomniac, but, Sucker Punch, yeah, House Mark Gorilla. Insomniac. And... <laughs> So what you've got? So what's? So they've, they've acquired Bungie, and obviously with, you're talking about Destiny and De- or Destiny Two and the, and the player base there. But what's the one area or type of game, genre of game that that Sony is missing from its first pass, party studio? Is a good shooter, first person shooter. So what's to say that? Obviously, we, that Bungie have already said it's going to be everything's going to be multiplayer anyway. But what if what if they're behind the scenes? You know, Sony. Other studios are learning from Bungie on how to do it, and they're you know gathering knowledge and their and their expertise from doing it, and can then develop a, a first-person exclusive shooter that goes on to be highly successful. Then what weight do you do you associate you know do you put on Bungie for that? You know because obviously without that acquisition, you may not have been able to 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 do that. I mean, and that that's a fair point as well. But as I also stated on, uh, I don't know what show it was at this point because we talked about this numerous times. Sony, uh, Sony essentially purchased, you know, Bungie in name and their IPs and stuff like that. They, that does not stop the talent that made those games successful from leaving the studio and going to start their own studio. So it's it's a calculated risk saying I'm going to buy this studio with all this talent so we can learn from, which I honestly believe that's part of why Sony did it. Mm. But that doesn't mean that that talent is going to stay there and be be successful. That's why I'm that's why my argument is if you purchase a product, that product needs to self-sustain regardless of what happens because you you're not guaranteed to keep the talent. You're not guaranteed that you know, Destiny Three is gonna make you profit. You have to. You. That's why when I said, if I'm gonna make a purchase of that caliber, I'm gonna want my product to be exclusive. So the only way people can play that game is to come to my ecosystem. Look, look, look at this way, tricky. Sony has come out and said they're going to purchase more studios. Look forward to more acquisitions. That came from CEO Jim Ryan himself. I've, you know, we. I'm sure we've all heard anywhere, but I think it's just under 20, mil, 20 billion that Sony have left to spend currently at the moment if they want to buy other studios. So them purchasing Bungie and whatever they do, they've got the money set aside for that. So I think your position is, I mean, I get what you're saying, but also you're like, okay, well now there's this, you know, we're starting at zero and now there's a three billion 
$3.6 billion hole we got to crawl out of. No, they have this money set aside where they can make these purchases and just make money back gradually on the purchases. They don't need to make all this up right now. And I think that that's one of the things that in the initial news of this, people were like, well, what's the immediate benefit of this? And I don't think that there is the immediate benefit that most people want to see. I think it's long-term down the road because as Microsoft has seen and we've seen with Netflix, a lot of the money is in streaming services. So this is Sony you know, putting some effort into that and putting some eggs in that basket and trying to get better offerings, offerings for what a streaming so it's streaming service they might have in the future. And it also gives them experience um, with a live service game because Destiny is a live service game, and it gives them more experience with that as well. And, uh, God, I had another point that I was going to make. What was I going to say? I don't know. I forgot. It'll right. come back to me. But, uh, yeah, uh, tricky. I Sony has this money available to them, and they're using it, and they're not banking on getting it right away. Like, if we're if we're looking at Sony and Microsoft, I guarantee, you know, with the purchases – oh, I got it. Here it is. Sony's purchases. You look at something like Insomniac, which is like 229 million, I believe. You look at Bungie, which is 3.6 million. Sony, if they wanted to, could go out and buy, you know, if if everything went through, you know, Ubisoft, Square Enix, Capcom, all that. Um, but they they're making much smaller purchases. T- typically, studios that they have really good relationships, like with Housemark and Bluepoint, and then Bungie, which is you know you would assume for you know all the reasons stated before. Um, so I think that if you're looking at Sony and Microsoft, I wouldn't really be wor- worried about Sony's, um, sustainability as far as their games division goes, because I would guarantee that Sony's game division is more sustainable within itself than Microsoft's game studios, because they spent a lot of money on Activision and they spent a lot of money on Zenimax. And I think I would, and Sony brings in more revenue as far as gaming than Microsoft does. So you would have to think that Sony game or PlayStation studios is more sustainable within itself than Microsoft Game Studios. All right. Uh, I, I do want to wrap this up because it is getting kind of late for Gareth. Uh, he's across the pond, so I forget the time difference. Uh, but before we close out, Yield, you've been kind of quiet for the last you know 20 minutes. What are your thoughts on all of the arguments? I mean, am I way off base? If, if, is Alex and Gareth trying to teach me something? I'm just being ignorant or what? To be honest, I was off in another world. all right fair enough all right so let's wrap up the show gareth uh before we actually go into our shout outs and whatnot i want to thank you very much for coming on the show uh you are welcome back anytime sir you were a delight to have on the show thank you i look forward to coming back on at some point that'd be really good thank you for having me on all right, so let's wrap this up with your shout-outs. Yield, I hope you zone back in. Yield your shout-outs. So shout-out to Gareth for coming all night. Uh, shout-out to Alex and Tricky for recording. Uh, shout-out to Homer, The Brain, Alex, Travis, Joe, and Gareth for Rocket League Thursdays. Those were some fun random matches. Uh, a shout-out to Redbeard Rick for setting up the Arkham Origins uh, multiplayer boost. Um shout out to gorilla i am enjoying horizon even though i was critical about it in the beginning i'm still enjoying the game and i think that's it all right gareth your shout out sir yeah shout out to um you three guys for having me on tonight um it's been really really good fun i look forward to uh coming on again at some point um shout out to all the guys who were playing on rocket league on thursday 
um, really enjoyable. Do look forward to them, even though they're uh, they, they go on <laughs> late for me. But uh, yeah, love love doing that. Um, shout out to uh, Redbird Rick as well for the, doing the setting up the Arkham Origins uh, multiplayer. Uh, sorry, multiplayer, despite already having the platinum for it. Um, shout out to Daryl for for his birthday. Happy birthday! Uh, and that's about it for me. All right, Alex. Give a shout out to the listeners, the community, the fuel the t- to the fire that is Trip Yours. Uh, you guys uh, help push the show forward. You guys foster this fantastic community. So without you all, there is nothing. So again, thank you all very much for supporting us into the year 2022. Uh, give a shout out to Gareth for coming on and sharing his insight on you know some of the topics we've been talking about. As always, it's, it's great playing Rocket League with you, sir. So you know next time we can set it up, you know because I know the hours kind of wreak havoc with with schedule but next time we can set it up we'd love to have you back on the show yeah definitely i'll, I'll we'll I'll sort of do it uh oh, we'll f- we'll f- figure something out anyway we'll we'll do it um i've got some annual leave coming up as well so uh well, for, maybe for on a month. saturday so you don't have to worry about work the next week. yeah yeah no that's uh, yeah we'll we'll sort something out so it's um yeah no really enjoyed it uh give a shout out as well to a uh, former host of the uh, Game Stuff podcast, Matt Murray. He's been posting some awesome pictures from within Horizon, thanks to the photo mode. So, Matt, keep it up. You're 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 posting some awesome pictures. I know he's he's been very happy jumping into the world of Horizon and just you know producing a lot of really awesome photos that I love to look at. So keep it up, Matt. Give a shout out to Tricky and to Yield for recording tonight, and I'll second Yield on on the the shout out to Gorilla Games. I'm a huge fan of horizon. I, you know, it's, I'm going to, I've gotten sucked into the world and I'm going to be playing it for a long, long time. It's not going to be a quick platinum, but I will say, like I said before, lots of little things I love about the game, but the machines, the, they went above and beyond in this game. The machines are fantastic. They're a lot of fun to fight. And I just, I just love jumping into combat. It's, it's so much fun. So story, combat, world traversal, exploration, you caught, you all kind of did it all. So awesome work. To everyone at Guerrilla Games, and last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend Ashley, who yesterday was the Johto tour in Pokemon Go, and all the big Pokemon events. I'm always out there, you know, playing for you know five six hours. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to her as I do every week, but also for her patience with that. And she, you know, she doesn't complain. You know, she always is a good sport about it. So I do appreciate that she goes out with me and and catches Pokemon, and uh, you know, just lets me have my fun without you know being like okay. Looking at our watch and be like, oh, it's time to go. So um, thank you for your patience, honey. I love you. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be my shout-outs. Tricky, do you have shout-outs this week? I do. Uh, Shout-out to all the listeners. Thank you very much. Shout-out to Gareth. Thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, We recorded early to try to avoid you being up so late. And this has turned into a three-hour show. So It's two hours. uh, Well, it's going to be three hours when I pass the two segments in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we... We we just can't shut up. <laughs> Not lately. Um, uh, shout out to all the listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, shout out to Bella, who is annoying the hell out of me, uh, who also uh, made me get into a fight with my razor, and I'm clean shaven for the first time in three years due to my dog. I was I was so. very disturbed when Tricky came on a camera because not used to seeing him like this. Yeah. Uh, shout out to everybody. Thank you very much. And until next week, if there's nothing else, happy trophy hunting. Peace. Cheers. No beer. Who's that stranger behind the microphone?
The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. <laughs> 